Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, everybody? Episode 91, we've got Nick Carl in studio. This is a treat. Yeah, our uh, intro actually was true, saying Nick and Matt in studio. So pretty stoked about it. What's up, boys? And uh, how's it going, everybody? Watching Monday night. We have someone else in the green room right now. Yeah, let's bring him in. Bring uh, him four right up. In. Four up would be great. So welcome to the show, Simon Lazat, everybody. Welcome, man. Let's go. Hey, thanks. So you've been asked the question a lot already, I'm sure, but I hope it's not old yet. Tell us how you're feeling after coming off of a win like you did at the OTB Open. Feel, uh, you know, feeling great. Uh, had a really fun week in Stockton and looking forward to the next already. Okay. I, how, how come, yeah, Simon, really it didn't feel like you had very much pressure on you in the final round? I've never, from the outside, seen you look just, it looked like a casual round That, from my perspective. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I've had four years to think about how it's going to feel to win another tournament. And, of course, you go through the scenario the night before the final round, and I've gone through this in my head many, many times in the last couple of years. Um, even though it's something you can't really prepare for, I felt kind of prepared, and I just kept telling myself over and over my head, <laughs> this might sound a bit weird, but I always tell myself, no one cares, you don't care, just play, you know what to do, just play, no one cares. Because the, the thing that puts me the most under pressure when I play is the fear of like disappointing my sponsors and my fans and everyone that's rooting for me. So I just got to keep telling myself, hey, people just want to see you have fun. They don't don't worry about your score. Just play. And I was very successful in talking myself into that yesterday during the round. So I was pretty much 100% relaxed the entire round. Of course, not 100%, but as close as, like way better than I was hoping for, honestly. Round two, actually, the back nine was way more nerve wracking for some reason. I just made like some mental mistakes. Did the last couple of holes, kind of the way Vinny slowly was charging back at you, did that kind of bring a little bit of added pressure into it? Or were you like, you know what? I'm up four with four to go. We're up three with three to go. How how was it feeling just in the last three or four holes? Yeah, I mean, if you have a lead, um, that's the same as the amount of holds that are left. It's pretty comfortable. Um, I mean, the final stretch in Stockton um, is a bit tricky and especially gets really windy. <laughs> For some reason, like once like 6.30 p.m. hit, it got super windy on that course every every day. So it, I knew it obviously it's never over until it's over. But for some reason, my own pep talks like helped just a lot. Just telling myself, hey, even if you even if you crumble now, no one cares. Just <laughs> keep playing. And I was I was throwing the disc so well that that probably gave me confidence too. That I was like, I just felt like I felt like it was meant to be. So I guess it just kind of like rode the wave. One of the, one of the things that we're actually talking about in the show a little bit later is you know players dealing with injuries, and you've had an ongoing injury in the elbow. How is that feeling nowadays? Obviously, you just won this big tournament, so it's got to be feeling somewhat good. But is it yeah. still slowly getting better? You've done a lot of rehab on it. Yeah, uh, I mean, last offseason, I did six months of rehab and started a late season last year. This year, I started late because I was having a baby. So 
I kind of knew it was going to take me a, a handful of tournaments to get like back into like the groove of things. And my arm in the first two or three events, I was a bit worried to be honest, because it wasn't feeling great. Um, but I was pretty sure that it was going to get better and better every tournament because my injury, like rest does not help my injury. I need to keep throwing. My body needs to know what's going on and needs to be prepared. And I feel like the more I play, the more tournaments I play, the, the better I'll get at kind of like calming down, being more relaxed. And that really helps with my injury because the, the only thing that hurts right now is like full power backhands and kind of those shots where I lose a bit of control. Um, so yeah, the more relaxed I'm out there, the more I play, the better it feels. So this weekend was actually the best it's felt uh, this year. In your post-round interview, you mentioned any getting, I think you said top 10 or even top 20 is a success nowadays. Was this a surprise to you to come out with the win at this event? Or did you go into it feeling like this is one I have a chance at? It's My mindset has never really been show up to win. So I would never say that I expect to win anything. Um but of course, it's it's been in the back of my head for four years now that when's the next when's my next chance going to be there? When when are things just going to everything has to like line up and somehow everything lined up this weekend. OK. And it's funny you mentioned the post round interview. I watched that back. and I'm like, it is so hard to know what to say <laughs> 10 seconds after you just won the first tournament in four years. It's yeah. like there's so many emotions and just thoughts running through your head. And then you get a camera and the mic like shoved in your face. And I'm like, uh, I, uh, my mind is literally like totally blanking. I have no clue what to talk about. <laughs> I loved it though. Uh, we stayed up late on the East coast to watch it happen. And then the bonus round, uh, post round interview on top of, Hey, you just won. Well, let's bring you back in. And you look at the camera. You go, are we still live? <laughs> yes, we are. So that yeah. was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned you've been it's in the back of your mind for the past four years or so or so. And you even mentioned it in the post round interview. Finally, like I finally got the win. Uh, it's just fantastic to watch you do it. It, it. I hate to say it this way, but from the perspective of those who are curious about competition, it makes you relevant. And some are going to hate me for saying that. Like you're relevant as always having the ability. But you, like you said, you've had your off years here and everything that's going on. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like this helps make you relevant in the competition or did you always feel that way? I always knew that I could and that I should. And honestly, the mistakes I've been making in some of these recent events and even the last handful of years were not kind of mistakes where I'm like, oh yeah, that was a tough shot. That was kind of like a dumb mistake or like, oh yeah, it happens, but whatever. The mistakes I've been making are like unbelievably bad. Like just something I, I never even think about that that could be a possible mistake. So um, just two weeks ago or three weeks ago at the DDO, um, I could have won that tournament by like 15 strokes if I didn't make the craziest mistakes I've ever seen. But I, I know every player can probably say that in hindsight, talking about their rounds. Like, things could always be way better than they are. But this tournament, finally, I just didn't do something that, like, would melt my brain from stupidity. <laughs> there you go. So, your new father this year, everyone obviously knows that right now. Does this win affect how much more you'll be touring this year? Or are you still keeping a pretty consistent schedule with what you've had in your mindset? Yeah, no, this is actually the longest trip I'll be gone from home all season because I'm doing 
this week is an off off week for me it's totally not an off week because i'm i'm here at lake tahoe right now we're doing a project with jomas pro i'm here with the camera crew you can see i'm already mic'd up so uh we're working on a really cool series that's going to drop hopefully this off season and it's going to be a very busy couple days here at tahoe and then i'm driving up the the west coast for the weekend and then next week of course is portland open so i'll be gone for a total of three weeks which is going to be the longest trip this year and i know i'm qualified now for the match play which is potentially the only change in my schedule I haven't decided if I'm playing that yet or not. That's going to be in Colorado in a, in a, in a couple of weeks, um, but more than a couple of weeks. Okay. But no, no, this, this wind doesn't change uh, really because I want to be home as, as much as possible because your baby's only a couple months old once in his life. Yeah, <laughs> true. And there's plenty more tournaments for you to win. Um, I would say you mentioned being on the road, but if you were back home, just tell the fans, would you be at the Nick and Matt show get together this Friday if you were back home? At Meadowbrook? Yes. Oh, my God. I, I can't wait to uh, check out the new T-pads and the new layout. Uh, all I can say, I highly recommend to go throw because that place is absolutely awesome. And Nick and Matt will be there. So no brainer. Perfect. You heard it here, everybody. If you're within driving distance, which is maybe different for everybody, show up. Simon Lazat himself would be there. I think it's only like 10 or 15 minutes from your house. You were going to be getting ready for the Portland Open. You gave us a little bit of your time now. Tell Jomez thank you from the Nick and Matt show for this little uh, interview that we got to take away from them. And we appreciate you coming on. And have a good evening, Simon. Stay safe and have fun. We are all incredibly proud of you, Simon. Yeah. We're all rooting for you. You're the man. Thanks. The upward trend is continuing, yes, but sir. now there's nowhere up to go. Uh, uh, so oh, there's more. I hope I can, like, plateau at this There's point. worlds. There's worlds. Come on, baby. <laughs> all right. Good job, everyone. Right. And uh, Peace out, man. Shout out. Peace Bye. home. Peace. Bye. All right, everybody. Simon Lazat, we were able to coordinate with him through the afternoon and he's busy driving and all these things with Jomez. And I was like, it was funny. I think we were about um, three hours out from the show. And yesterday he said, reach out again as you get closer to see where I'm at. And I said, Simon, three hours, what are you doing? He goes, I can't predict three hours out. And I said, well, I said, do you want me to reach out again in two hours or do you prefer that I just quit trying right now? And, and he, he just called us up right before the show. I can do it right now. So we're making it work. So that was great from Simon Lazat. Really happy to have him as a friend of the show and to make it on like he did there. So uh, that was, I don't want to say unplanned, but that specific interview. It was, was quickly planned. Yeah, unlikely to happen, but it worked out. And so we threw it in the beginning, unlike usual. So let's get back to our normal. Nick, you're up here in Massachusetts. What's going on? Yeah, I uh, just drove up. I got into town earlier uh this afternoon or this morning <laughs> what time i forget i don't know i literally got home i took a i fell asleep in my bed or my old bed like within minutes probably and then ben and i actually just went and played two rounds over at 501 disc golf course um we have a tournament there this weekend so i want to get in some practice and uh yeah no, it's it's been cool i love being back here 
Yeah, we're all in studio, so your voice, as usual, gets this little upgrade in studio. Yeah. People the get to really hear what you sound yeah, like. Exactly. <laughs> I can't read the chat or anything like that, though. I'm on the couch, so if you I'm looking off to the side, huh? Yeah, I got my phone. It's only got like 10% <laughs> charge, oh, though. We got charge. a charger somewhere. Now that I'm back in mass, I got to throw on the accent, so it's only got like a 10% charge. I'll tell you if people <laughs> call you out in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. That's fun. So we were scrambling last second up to the show, too, so it feels a little funny. Like, restarting computers and Simons, to, it was a lot going on. So we're sorry we were late today for those post audience. You're like late. Well, we were like three minutes late. So if that's late to you. All right, let's get right into it. The OTB open event recap brought to you by Evan Kearns, or should we say Statman? We, we, he's a friend of the show. So Evan, take it away. OTB open. Yeah, it was quite the weekend. Uh, if you did not get to check it out, you're missing out. Uh, was this like the biggest win for the fans of disc golf? Um, maybe ever uh there's a lot of you know fans of you know all the great players paul Macbeth, ricky wasaki page pierce but i i think simon might have the most fans and a, the boom of disc golf may not have seen simon win an event before win an elite series event true that, is. that. his last win was 2018 memorial <laughs> yeah, wow We've seen, you know, double, triple, whatever. He's won some local events here in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some C tiers. His, his most recent win was actually Vacation Land Open up in Maine in okay. 2020. Uh, but he takes this down, and it, we talked a little bit about his post-round interview. The first thing he does after he wins is he's like, hold up a second. And he just runs around the gallery just high-fiving everyone. Uh, it was really cool to see. Like, that just kind of, I think, defines who he is, all about the fans, uh, making people happy. And... Uh, it was just incredible to see. Uh, like I said, it, he took down his first win since 2018. This is his third Elite Series win to go along with a Ledgestone win in 2015. Um, this is now the longest gap in Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite wins in MPO when you include the Tour Championship. Uh, it's 1,541 days uh, from his last win. Drew Gibson broke that record earlier this year. Simon breaks it again um other notables calvin heimberg getting a podium that was his fifth podium on the season from elite and majors he was two strokes back aaron gossage this was his breakout event last year at 2021 otb open he does it again and we had him on the show after that yep, yep. We, i thought about lining him up again and just making a tradition he, he gets a <laughs> podium uh he likes it there something about the water in stockton just he throws far surprisingly yep. he far. smashes yeah and then his Absolutely putting was smashes. on fire especially yeah. round three especially yeah so, I mean, yeah. put those together and you're going to do uh, well. Anthony Brell, another name. I think he finished second last year. He finishes fifth, this, or sorry, fourth this year. Uh, incredible showing. He injured his kind of knee. Yeah, he uh, said something about a jump putt on hole three. He must have rolled it. But I saw a picture on Instagram and it was all black and blue, all swollen up. I was like, geez, that freaking sucks. Um, so I'm forgetting his name. On course commentator. Brian Earhart. Brian Earhart said, oh, it's like the size of a grapefruit. Now, I think <laughs> it's a little embellishment, but yeah. like, but the point is it was swollen. Jeez. And I wonder what he did to it. Did he just roll it when he was coming down? It was know. a, a it putt, I think. I think it was a putt of some sort. Yeah, mm -hmm. he jump putted or something and came, came down. Yeah. I yeah. wonder, does that tell the PDGA maybe we should be allowed to clear stuff out of our area if he landed on like, a rock know. or something? You know, well, I should have took a, a picture. Do we need to talk about rules once again? I should have took a picture. There was a tee pad, and I was like, is that a pine cone? I even asked my wife, is that a pine cone? You know how the tee pad has the turf? But at OTB, they had like the little like gravel pit right next to it. Like pit gravel track or whatever, right yeah. next to it. There was a pine cone sitting in that what looked like the area of the tee pad, but not on the turf. I'm like, can they clear that? <laughs> it's not in their like run up. So, well, I don't know. Yeah, their stance. I guess I don't know what the legal stance for a tee pad. But that's your whole question. Right? That's my question. Within, is, 
it's, it's close reaching distance that, that but anyways yeah so uh, as far as simon by the way because you said he got the win we just talked to him do you think this was the the most light-hearted happy feeling that fans have had in disc golf like seeing a win did you notice even the competitors on his card were like wow like this is, hug hug this is a good win man good win like you know like well, i think everybody had a different feeling than usual i think one of the other moments that kind of had the same feeling was 2021 worlds when james hit that shot there wasn't you know a i see i see how you're there was there was maybe two people out there who weren't uh, oh, maybe rooting three, or who or weren't happy. smiling yeah. after that shot went in like the the amount <laughs> of like the, who are the two or three <laughs> <me> Paul, <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> no, i'm just kidding but i literally my jaw was you know on the floor we've talked about this so many times yeah. but but in the sense of like We've seen Paul compete at every single world championship since 2012 and gotten first or second place at them. And where you almost see him win it again, he's got it right there. James Conrad throws up that shot and everyone just goes ballistic. Your people are running on the fairway. You got a dude who's not wearing a shirt and American flag shorts, literally running around. So, but I think for this one, when it comes to a more professional way of how it went down was definitely Simon's win. It just felt lighthearted in nature. Like it was just happy. And then you could even see him. He's running around high-fiving people and just like it just had a different feel to it. It was nice. It's got that little happy Gilmore feel to but it. But did you, know? you feel it's like come on people, you know. Yeah, but did you feel different? And I I just cuz I actually texted him on whatever it was, the day of his last round yesterday, I guess. And the words that I texted him were along the same lines, like, I'm having more fun than usual watching this. And I said, it's partly because you're a friend, I'm sure, but also you're not usually in the lead card leading event. So, like, there's multiple things to it. But it just felt I'm, different. I'm, I'm pretty sure on the show, I've said it before, is that if Paul's not in contention to win it, I'm rooting for Simon. Like I, you Simon, have said that Simon is Simon's like second. He's literally one of my favorite people to root for. He's one of my favorite people to play around with. I've played a couple tournaments with him now. He's just an all around super solid dude. And Pretty good great at disc to golf. be around. And he, just even outside of disc golf, like yeah. when him and I hang out, we can go the whole day without talking about disc golf, which is really nice. It's tough to do that with a lot of people, especially other disc golfers when, you know, your whole life revolves around it. So Simon's really easy to root for. And he's given so many other people because he has a massive social media platform, but look how many people he's brought into that and helped kind of not lift their careers, but in the sense of like giving them spotlight, like he's gone out to casual C tiers and B tiers. He's vlogged with random people across new England. Like he does a lot of things for the community to where he he's really embraced living in Massachusetts as long as he has now. And it just it allows him to be someone very easy to root for in his, that regard. And his fan following is probably besides Paul and maybe Ricky. Like he's got to have as many, if not more than even Ricky. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a I, lot. I so. wonder if he has more than Ricky on Instagram or whatever. I'm not well, really sure. As far as YouTube goes, yeah. Simon's like 150, 160 thousand. Yeah. I mean, second to Paul maybe or whatever. But no, no, no. he. He's got way more than Paul on oh, YouTube. Then who am I thinking? On YouTube. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, like the only, the only one more, that has more than a YouTube one, I think, is Jomez that has more True. than Simon. Unless you count Brody in there and he's got like two million. But that wasn't yeah. organically grown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. We got way off topic. There's still FPO to recap. Yeah, of course. Uh, the, the story kind of was going into the final round. Paige Pierce led by nine strokes. Uh, she's never lost an Elite Series or major event while leading uh, by five or more. Uh, that was that was shared across social media and through the event. Natalie Ryan storms back, brings it to a tie, I think around hole 15 or 16, uh, continues being aggressive, 
uh, tries to go for the Peninsula Green on 17 lands just short, double bogeys it, and then also goes aggressive on 18 and falls just short. Paige Pierce uh, stays clean, gets the win. Um, so many things to draw. I, I don't even have the exact numbers, but I think that's her 31st um, Disc Golf Pro Tour win, which is unreal how many she's won. Did you just say this third of the season too? Third of the season. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah it kind of wild and a lot of talk will be about Kristen Tatar as well she is back in <laughs> Europe uh just to drop real quick since the start of 2021 in majors elite and silvers uh when Kristen Tatar is in the field Paige Pierce has 11 starts with three wins for 27 percent uh win percentage without Kristen Tatar she has 10 starts with six wins that's 60 percent 60 percent win percentage compared to 27 win percentage it both are fantastic players. It was still incredibly exciting. Not trying to say you need Kristen Tatar to be exciting. Uh, Natalie Ryan brought that in the final round. It was an incredible watch. Uh, Paige takes it down. Uh, and Juliana Corver also gets a podium finish. And she shot a 991 rated round two, which is the highest rated round in her career since September of 2009. What can you wow. think? What happened did you just say? 2000. September of 2009. <laughs> I think I was I was just getting into high school, so I wasn't she like won a, in the Vibram Open or something. Yeah, I, I, I have to look at what <laughs> yeah, happened in two thousand nine. Sure. But still, like that's yeah. so long ago. Yeah. Like, oh man, uh, and she is killing it today. Um, I f yes, uh, Juliana Corver, Jen Allen, and Owen Scoggins all finished in the top ten. That is your twenty twenty one FPO Masters World Champion, uh, Tim Selinski U.S. Masters Champion, and then world champion in the masters division i might be mixing up the exact titles but all three of those women won major hardware last year in fp uh, 40 crushing it in fpo all finished top 10 i think it's really incredible to see we've all been asking for the depth of the fpo field for a while and we definitely have it yeah and i think one of the one of the really really impressive things about this is it was on a golf it's, it was on a golf course this past weekend to where distance does have an advantage over it i know there were a lot of low ceiling shots which actually I was reading Juliana's um, daily kind of blog that she makes on her Facebook post. And she was saying, she was like, a lot of these were low ceiling shots and she loves throwing ridiculously low. So I think that kind of was an advantage for her. And then Owen Scoggins, who doesn't have a powerful, powerful backhand, but she's a phenomenal putter, arguably one of the best putters in FBO. And Jen Allen just has massive distance. So I yeah. think being able to execute that on a lot of the more open holes that that course did have um i think just played to in a way it played to all of their strengths um own i will say own really impressed me the most out of that bunch juliana getting third place is very very impressive but i think when it comes to the whole distance aspect of things own squeaking in that top 10 and kind of keeping it competitive the whole time is super super impressive to me corver corver definitely impressed me the most here yeah, yeah and to share some well, uh, besides the win <laughs> some interesting yeah. stats with that you mentioned jen allen and own scoggins they tied for seventh place Jen Allen's uh, circle two in regulation was 54%. Owen Scoggins was 28%, almost half. But Jen Allen's circle one X putting was 62%, while Owen's was 93%. Two totally Insane. different styles yeah. of game, but finished the exact same place. Yeah. And that's not even the only instance. Uh, tied for fourth was Alexis Mandohano and Ella Hansen. Alexis Mandohano was 43% circle two in regulation. Regulation. <laughs> <Regulization>. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. I, I, love this. I do numbers, not we words. we got to put together yeah. a compilation of it. Yeah. Uh, and then Ella Hansen, also tied for fourth, was 59% circle two in regulation. 
Uh, so that's 43% to 59%. But in Circle 1, X, Alexis Manduhano was 87%, while Ella Hansen was 50%. Wow. Uh, it, was, it was interesting because I'm going to give you the other side of it, not the competition necessarily, but I generally, and you're, you're hearing this twice now this season, I'm not super excited with the style of play. Uh, I don't... I'm stuttering because I enjoy seeing a good roller. Did you see Anthony Abrella's in the last round? Like, perfect. It was near one of the last, it was back nine, throws it. How far was it? Anybody else see? It was like 400 feet, takes a nice turn, slow right turn. And then as it's rolling up the hill of the basket, it takes a little left and dumps like right near the basket. Everyone goes wild. It's like, that's incredible. I like seeing that every now and then. Yeah. But when a, a tournament has so many rollers and rollers and rollers, it's, I guess if that's what the tournament is, it is. But generally, I don't love seeing this layout where I can't tell. From the tee pad, mm -hmm. like, where are they trying to go? Some are going That's, up over the trees. Yeah. Some are going low. Some are, like, like rollers. And you're like, I don't really know where you're trying to go because the yeah. first, it's a thousand-foot hole. Like, it just the yep. first shot just has to move forward. I'm just giving the other side of it. I don't love that. I'm okay with it being once a year. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with seeing how it plays out like it did. I'm not taking anything away from the competitors. Yeah. Just giving you that other feeling. Well, I think what also kind of entails to what you are just talking about is that this was a redesigned course from last year. Um, they made some changes to it. So even if you watch the coverage last year, like I, I agree with the same thing. It's like someone throws a big 450 foot sky hyzer, it lands down to left. Are they in a good position or not? And that's why they always have to go to the on-course commentary to Brian Earhart or yeah, Zoe Andrick, that a good I think. shot? Was that a good shot? What's he looking at <laughs> to the basket? Oh, no, that actually was an You're awful right. shot. Or, oh, no, he's actually in the perfect landing zone. And then I'm thinking, I'm like, that shot looked like absolute trash. But I think it definitely is tough to watch. Um, but there are, you know, there are wooded disc golf courses that are really yeah. annoying and tough to watch. I like, agree. You know, but so it is what it is. But I totally agree. Um, it's not my favorite type of disc golf to watch. But at the same time, it's still enjoyable. Um, every single player's post that I've seen on Facebook or Instagram has given just absolute positive feedback towards the tournament staff and the Disc Golf Pro Tour for making this just... Everyone is saying this is one of the most incredible events that they've ever been to. It was so professionally well-ran. They had a ton of side activities to do while the players were in town. So shout out to Sean Jack and all the people over at the DGPT and at the OTB staff because. Apparently they did an incredible, incredible job. Uh, I'll personally say that I think it's my favorite active golf course on tour uh, as far as course. I, I think the low ceilings is kind of an interesting aspect that mm -hmm. defines this. Uh, each course throughout the year can have its own dis, uh, defining features. Uh, you don't want to see those same features over and over again. And I felt like last year we kind of saw golf course, golf course, golf course, and it kind of all felt similar. This year we're kind of getting different ones so far. I mean, DDO goes for really tough landing zones, but with Lindo B, this one with the exact opposite in the sense that they didn't really have much Lindo B, but it's a lot of low ceilings. And so it was a totally different aspect within a golf course. And I think that is cool. I want to see more of that. Um, my, my only issue is as a viewer, it, there was a few holes that were a little redundant. You saw the low ceilings, then you saw an OB golf green either before or after the basket with mm -hmm. the basket on a kind of ridge hill. Mm -hmm. And as far as competitive play, that was probably greatly designed, uh, was was very good at getting the most out of the players. But it is important to design courses for the viewership and making, you know, it, not every hole is going to be a um, a signature hole of a course. But you don't want to kind of be like, oh, didn't I didn't I see this hole already? Or was it last round? And there's kind of, yeah. you know, four to six or so that 
like if I went back, I wouldn't tell you which hole it was. It's kind of all similar, mm-hmm. but they they also did put up. Um, I, they call it ARDs slash RPGs. I forget what the RPG stands for, but ARD being anti roller device, which yeah. I think should have happened five years ago. Um, but is just putting up logs on the ground. Really easy change to make it harder to roll, and also you can put it on half, so you can make a roller a possibility. But you have to have a controlled roller. You can't just throw it it on any given angle and just have it get you know 700 feet up the fairway. Like you got to hit a landing zone with a roller. And then have skill with the roller, which obviously getting distance on a roller is skill. Um, but I think that was fantastic. I want to see more of that. Rollers are okay, in my opinion. I just don't want to see on every hole. I think I want to see hopefully Portland Open do a better job at that. Because last year, Swenson at OTB Open did have rollers. But I felt like Portland had even more rollers. So the, the thing okay, about Portland, yeah, let me we say all, that really ah, quick. The all. thing about Portland really quick with that is that... A big reason for that, I think, is because they extended the tee pads left and right by a few feet True. because of yes, I remember that bad tee pads, and so it allowed players to tee off three feet got, to the left, yeah. which opened up that roller gap. So I think the intended lines that Dustin had made weren't supposed to be roller after roller after roller after roller, but I think because the Pro Tour ultimately um, allowed them to tee off three feet to left, three feet to the right, whatever it was opened up all those gaps true and that was so a, i am hoping that this year we do not have to see roller after roller after roller that's right we talked but about i don't want to trash dustin's course design because i don't think that was meant to happen and it wasn't this was a last minute like miracle pull-off tournament i i feel like yep. a miracle might be a strong word but it was very last minute and they made it work and so that was part of their like we'll we'll give a little bit here because it wasn't planned out well so we're going to give a little bit more range but and i'll let you guys have closing thoughts on this but when you brought up Portland Open and being like, oh, I don't like that one as much, I'm reversed. And it you feel like it's different because you were saying there's more rollers and I was just saying how I don't love it. I think the difference is with Portland Open's course is that I'm able to see generally where they're going because it's not as tree infested. Like there are more open fairways so I can see where they're trying to get. Uh, again, it's all personalities opinions and how we feel about it but i that's my yeah. preference i gotta say i'm in emporia country clubs or ddo's defense when they do all the line doby mm. i do think that if you're playing on a country club course if hole four is going up four's fairway on the golf course and hole three is coming down three's fairway if there's a potential chance that if you throw a roller on four and can land in three fair three's fairway it needs to be ob like they golf courses i feel like in all honesty should be littered with ob in the sense of like someone shouldn't be able to throw it 400 feet to left when on any other disc golf course they're going to hit either 50 trees or whatever and not be penalized you know what i mean like if they're throwing from a different fairway trying to get back onto theirs i do think that that should be OB. closing thought if i ever was how do i put this if i was ever rooting against calvin moore than I have in the past. It was this last event. I'm like, come on, Simon. Oh man. I'm like, you can't do it. No, but I think the the full like disc golf fan population was rooting against Calvin here. They wanted to see Simon win. And so I'm kind of being facetious and funny as always. It's become my shtick that I don't like Calvin. I'll keep it going. I'll have him over for tacos at the MVP open and we'll call it good. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I'll just say real quick, I wasn't I wasn't trashing on Dustin's design. I know that I was thrown really, really quickly together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, COVID's really, you know, made a struggle on all of us in a lot of different ways. That that 
a whole event kind of happened late with all the getting permits and, and getting a property last minute. Totally understandable. They're going back to it this year for two rounds, two rounds at Blue Lake as well. I think the property of Glendovere, the golf course, is fantastic. It looks beautiful. It does it look beautiful. Actually, uh, doesn't have as much elevation, but it reminds me of Glen Eagles, which is where uh, mm-hmm. San Francisco Open was, mm-hmm. which now moved to Stockton. And I like that better than Swenson. It's just the appearance the, to me. Yeah, and, and Swenson's a fantastic property with the low ceilings. It's and just, probably great it's design. Totally, it's totally different um, kind of trees where mm-hmm. SFO was a lot of big redwoods, I'm assuming. In Whatever. I did really like the SFO so, coverage. I've yeah. watched that a couple times now. The, so, yeah, yeah Glendovere has those really tall trees, not a lot of low branches, which I think is amazing for disc golf. Uh, you just got to make it work the best possible for uh, on a golf course. So why is the audience so large at this point in the show already? They heard Simon was here and then he dropped out. But you guys can stick around. We still got Paige Pierce lined up later. And we've got something real. Actually, you know what this could be? We've got another special guest lined up tonight from a totally different sport altogether. We did this with baseball, the MLB. We're now going to be bringing in somebody to talk about a different sport. Have you ever heard about it called Guts? Okay. If you haven't, you're going to know about it. We're not there yet, but I'm trying to understand why the audience is getting larger than it usually is at this point in the show. So like, share, let's keep growing. because I'm in studio and I actually have good quality for so, once. Someone said, <laughs> someone said tonight, Nick gets studio jerky tonight. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Finally. It's funny. You also had another weird comment about like, you look like Leonardo DiCaprio before he, or after he drowned in Titanic. I don't know. So I don't know. People are Dang. saying weird stuff in here. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I was like, "Wow, this might be the nicest comment I've ever heard." I got a, then, yeah. Then I just started the drown. We got so much Jeez. flow happening right now between the two of you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we gotta have yeah. a flow contest. I can't later. find the comment. Uh, if that was you, you could it's gonna be remulleted. It, it might this be week, probably. <laughs> okay, remullet it up. Um, so this is pretty cool show, but let's talk about it because we're all in studio now. I like this way better. It feels like I'm actually just talking to the room. Instead of, you well, know, dang it, I guess I'll have people. to move back. All right, Nick's going to move not. back. I'm going to try here. If we can go full screen, I'm always do this. We're going to talk about DG Max Wax. And if I get the lighting just He's right, you can see the really cool embossed or embossed, however you say embossed, uh, look to it there. This is DG Max Wax. This wax, in all seriousness, I will say what I've heard for feedback. And if any of you have, go ahead and speak up. Feedback on this pro- uh, product has been it really did help me. It really does work. I think some might be being a little funny when they say, I threw an ace after I tried it, although they probably did throw an ace after they tried it. I'm not saying this is going to get you an ace or a hole-in-one, but it's going to help you with your grip. It's going to enhance your grip, give you more confidence, so it's probably all part of it. It comes in that mini form. smells amazing. It also comes in this snap stick, which I always hold up and get it to focus in. It's beautiful there. It, it stays in your pocket easily. You rub it on your fingers, and you get incredible snap. In fact, I'm going to talk to uh, Will later, Will and from Guts, and I'm going to tell him about this product. I wonder if they have something like this over there. DG Max Wax, have you had anybody talk to you about the product? What's your feelings on this? Ben, Evan, Nick, what do you think? Uh, a couple of people actually in the Lynchburg area where I live now have picked some up, and they said they're really, really liking it. They enjoy it, especially now that we're getting into the pretty humid stages of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of players are carrying around. I don't want to false advertise saying that the DG max wax is not going to completely dry your hand. It's not a drying, product. like use a towel, use a birdie bag, but then use the DG max wax right after to get that extra grip in your fingertips. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to give you the confidence. Yeah. And it's, using it, it smells great. Exactly. <laughs> and the smell of it is amazing. But and no, uh, it's supposed to have an essential like oil. It. Yeah. It's yeah. essential oils in there, which whether you like or hate essential oils, 
you got to love the smell of it and it's supposed to help calm you and center you and all that so that's excellent yeah i'm a huge fan of the snap stick uh the little mm -hmm. you know chapstick bottle of uh of the product it, it's super easy if you own a store like you go to go, like any gas station or anything and they have all the stuff just sitting out the uh, right at the checkout it's so easy to pop it open and put it there i saw one at marshall street a, a couple weeks back of of the snap stick i'm like that's so easy like if i run out like i can just know like walk up to any any place and just boom right there i've uh, said get that. it and go uh, I'll also say Hans from Statmando, he used code Nick and Nat for this as well. <laughs> yeah. um, nice. I, I haven't I heard do. back from him if he's tried it or not. He's dealing with a foot injury, so he doesn't get out too much as of late. Uh, he does it for the shout outs. Let's see what else we yeah. can get him to buy. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. If you have a code, let me know and I'll pass it along to Hans. Well, we have another later. one later. We'll get him used. All right. All right. So that is a DG Max Wax. Uh, ben said last week or two weeks ago, he's back, by the way, everybody. Show him your face. You're alive. You're well. I do want to say sorry. Uh, we didn't have time for a cool background. It'll it'll be back up. What are you saying? Week. My background's not that cool. <laughs> Someone commented that um, they hope I have a good background and it's good. It's good. It's it's, it's an not off unique. Week. It's an off week. We were so he's not partying or he's not in Italy <laughs> this week. We were so last minute on, yeah. on the show's start. Like we had it planned out, but a lot of things came together. Pizza right at the parties. End. Not gonna lie, we were parties. having a pizza party, yeah, guys. True. We were throwing discs out <laughs> in the yard with yeah. the kids. We we honestly just oh, really slacked off, and we were like, "Whoa, holy crap! It's six forty. We should probably go downstairs." Yeah. We came down. I started playing the piano. I had to restart here. the computer. It was a big yeah, deal. I sat, so. I sat down at six fifty-five, and you know. Anyways, that it was. It's bit, but it's fun. It's fun as long yeah. as the live audience doesn't care. We are a few minutes late, so. Let's do this. Nick, we have up to about 15 minutes, but we don't need to use it all. But Ben, would ben, you give us the intro? Bring us in. Does he remember what the intro is? <laughs> yes. He's away for one week. <laughs> do, 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 do. This is the Discura discussion. Perfect. All right, Take it everybody. Away, so for the Discura discussion this week, we actually had something completely different lined up. But then we started talking down here, having our own discussion. And we're like, yo, let's make that the discure discussion. So I think generally what we want to talk about actually is amateur versus pro in the sense of. G give a scenario. Give the when, scenario that started our conversation. So. You don't have to use names. No, no I'm, I'm trying to think how not to. So uh, let's say. Big tournament. Let's say John Doe is a 990 rated amateur. Goes out, he plays pro tournaments, but does not accept cash. He's doing everything legitimately under the PDGA guidelines and the PDGA rules to be classified as an amateur because he wants and, a shot at Am Worlds. At and he's Am 16 Nationals, or 17. And he's only been playing for two or right, three years. Exactly. Young kid, 16, 17 years old, only been playing for a few years. Gannon Burr we're talking about. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then kind of getting, you know, some crap talked about him from another person because playing an am one because he's playing am one as like a 991 rated player he's won pro events didn't accept cash but he kicked butt at them the first round of the sam event he shot like a 1050 rated round just absolutely murdered a course like if anything he's doing everything correct so this is where we were talking about earlier when is it kind of like when do you if if there's ever going to be is there ever going to be a point where you have to move up to pro now I think right now I I no, look no, at it as no, like no. I no 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 I'm just gonna give my take on it really quick. <laughs> I look at it as like, but he's doing this really, really cool thing where he's going out and he's playing pro events. He's not accepting cash at them. A majority of the events that Paul is 
John Doe is <laughs> John Doe is playing. <laughs> is, uh, Paul McBeth. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to uh, our buddy Paul Kranz. I'll yeah. give his name out there. Paul Kranz, tremendous, great kid, tremendous disc golfer, kick-ass player. Yeah. Has great form. Uh, Simon's posted saying he's hypothetically got Paul Kranz. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, he's going out. Any a majority of the events that he plays are pro events. He's doing exceptionally well at them this year. But then he's still allowed to play amateur events. So why not go play an amateur A tier? Why not go play Am Worlds? Why not go play Am Nationals? Try to get those titles that are pretty. We still talk about Anthony Barella's mm-hmm. world titles. We talk about everybody's. We, everybody's. You know, it's Nate something Sexton. that it sticks with you. Yeah. I'm actually kind of sad when I first started playing. When I played my like first or second pro tournament and they said, yeah, you won 55 bucks. I was <laughs> yes. like, well, damn, I need gas money. Yeah, I hand it over. And then boom, I accepted cash. Like I never took the whole amateur kind of side of things seriously. So like that's just my take on it. I think he's what doing perfectly been. fine. Yeah. So here's here's my take on it. And I would be glad to discuss further, but I'm going to let others have the floor here. My take is literally and maybe I haven't thought through this well. Here it comes. It's coming out <laughs> is you should never have to n- play up ever um i feel like well no beyond the highest amateur level like if you're in like wreck and you're 980 like i think they do have caps they do have caps for those divisions i'm pretty sure but when you get to am there should be no cap and my thought is if you're 990 or if you're 1010 or 1020 and you want to just keep playing am that's on you like it's it should be called am open like nobody should ever be forced to go pro that's my mindset. Will people be upset at you because you're so good that you should go play pro? Sure. But like, if it's am open, I don't want to play pro. That's not who I am. I don't want to like, it's mm-hmm. that's just my take on it. Now, a lot of people yeah. like that. Well, but- I think the only reason that we would say anything is because ratings are ratings are actually a thing. If there was no ratings, I don't think this conversation would be going the way that it is right now. True. If we didn't know Paul is 991 or shooting a 1050 rated round Great or anything point. like that, we would have no basis of like, you know, that's where like a world rankings thing would really have to come into play or stuff like that. Like things would be completely different what other sport, if ratings were not a thing. What other sport would it be weird? I'm just trying to think out loud. Like you play so good, you cannot play amateur. Like you none. None. You can't play amateur. Like your local, like um Maybe I'm thinking, I don't or, know. No, like let's just go like softball, like your local league. Like the guy just smashes every hit is a home run. They're like you aren't welcome back here. You're too good. You have to play professional. Like it would be I, weird. Okay. I'm, well, that scenario does happen pretty often and it causes the same issues. <laughs> okay, give it to so us. it's not yeah, like okay. just in a general statement, I don't have mm-hmm. any specifics, but like you hear that happening plenty of times where someone's so good that they just don't want them playing in leagues. Hey, when, well, I'm not saying people don't want them. <laughs> when I played like, like I was like probably like 10 to 12 year old soccer. We would play the same tournament every year as an invitational. They just invited all the teams around. We got stopped in getting invited because we we won it like two years good. in a row, and like so we just played a different tournament. And like I mean that was one year. Like it just happens. Like sometimes yeah. people don't want the people who are winning. I, it does cause drama in all those ones. I'm not saying it's right or wrong for this scenario. I though. get. Okay, this is my last thing. I get that there's a perspective from either a league or teams in that league, of or individual players in that league that don't want to play up against people that are just slaughtering them, killing them, performing way better. The league could say, hey, we don't like the perception of that. Um, the players could say, we don't want you back. They might not invite you back. All these things. But I'm saying I don't like the idea, and I haven't thought about this a lot, that that player, you have to play pro. I would be like, let's just call it AM Open. Anybody that wants to play there that doesn't want to be pro, that's AM Open. Play there. 
There you go. That's my take. I'm done. Yeah, Whatever no, you guys I, have. I get that. Well, I feel I, like I think you have some good points, Nick. Yeah. So well, I feel like there's got to be a point. And I think the only reason that I'm saying that is because ratings are an actual thing that we have in disc golf right now. So say, Matt, say you get to 995,000 rated by the end of like two years from now. If you hold that 990 plus rating for more than one year with an amateur status, I think after that one year is up, that's kind of like your one year to go do the Am Worlds, go do the Am Nationals. After that one year, if you still hold, let's say a 990 plus rating, you're automatically considered now professional. You are well, there is almost that, a scratch golfer in a sense. What do they call that again? I keep I keep forgetting the name of it. We talked about it. Europe, not a premier pro, whatever they like call it. It's in the PDGA. I forget what they called it now. It's not oh, a touring pro. Oh, yeah. We're talking about, I think it was it's premier, a premier pro. Premier yeah, pro. Premier okay, pro. I was right. Yeah. So I kind of get that. Like at some level, you've already, that at that point, <laughs> I think you've chosen to be pro. Because you've earned X amount of dollars, which is like $5,000, and you're a certain rating. I kind of feel like you've chose that path. But if you're a player who's just extremely good, not accepting cash, and it's, it's kind of weird to me. What's, what's the reason to not let them play? Because people are like, I can't win. Is that why? Like, what is the reason to not let them play, Am? So, is it like, what do you think, Ben? Well, I will say the only reason he's not accepting cash is because of the amateur worlds right. national he's going to travel to michigan or wherever they are and that's the only reason because of the rules he wants to you know contend at those events and once he accepts cash he won't be able to so for now he's gonna stay amateur until he can play those events and then who knows after next year that's a different discussion on, on what he decides but i think he should be able to stay what he wants to stay yeah no one should care <laughs> i i bet you right after the am worlds am nationals new next generation amateur disc golf tour whatever that it's called now i'm sure after he plays all those big events one time yeah I, like i don't think he's gonna stay in am until he wins am worlds like yeah. i don't think i mean he's too good of a player right now to do it one time see how it goes if you win it great if not start collecting some money you know especially if you want to take it a little serious you're gonna have to save up some bills especially with how freaking much gas is right now. And I said I was done, but if I'm playing that good at such a high level, at some point, where's my feelings going to be? Like, as a pride level, I'll be like, yeah, I'm just so good. It's just so easy to come out here. Like, why wouldn't I move up to pro? That's another question. That's, that's your competitive nature. That's what I Because mean. I was going to say that to where but I was how like, could why somebody wouldn't else? you want yeah. to? But there is, there are those people in the world who are like, I'm fine with beating up on the other amateurs. <laughs> or like, I'm fine. They may consider themselves a fluky player. Okay, like, let me ask you this then, because this is another protected division uh, based off of age. If you People used to ask this all the time when I was doing kids disc golf. Like, well, that kid shouldn't be allowed to play in junior eight because he is like 920 rated and everyone else is like 400 rated. And I'm going, but his age is like totally fine. Yeah. He's destroying everybody, but his age is fine. Yeah. So should he be made to move up in divisions to like, you know, he has to play M2 because he's so good. I'm saying this whole conversation of having to move yeah. up, you should be able to play wherever That's just you're invited being to upset play. That their kid's yeah. not that good. Wherever you're invited to play, you should be allowed to play. Now yes. the conversation goes way bigger than that. We saw some things this weekend that people want to talk about. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're ready to talk about it tonight, but wherever you're invited to play, you should be able to play. Let people figure out if the competitive advantages are unfair. In fact, I was going to make a, a letter recommendation to the PDGA with junior divisions that maybe they could do something like, and now this is gets a little outrageous, but you know how there's uh, uh, novice, rec, AM2, AM1? 
I think they should have, maybe not right out of the gate, but all of those divisions for every junior division. So you have your eight-year-old who's like brand new, day or okay. like week one, a junior, week two. Eight, but you also three. have a junior eight who's been playing since he was four, yeah. and he's actually really good. And it's like, I don't want that kid to have to play against a, a one-week-long eight-year-old. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's well, do a you totally think the eight-year-old is really that upset if he gets smacked by 50 strokes? <laughs> no, it's the dad well, no. who gets upset that his kid got smacked no, by 50 strokes. No, but the strokes. TDs, this is turning into a way different conversation, but the TDs have to plan out a course that's appropriate for an eight-year-old that can throw 220 feet and a kid who can only throw 100. It just... This pace of play. I mean, there's just a lot that yeah. goes into it. Just like but you design kind of, a course different for but pros even if there wasn't versus am. Like even like, no matter what, they're doing that anyways. They're planning out that course for the kid who can throw 200 feet versus the kid who can only throw 80 feet. But my point is, if you designed a pro layout for an AM two division, it's going to be a bad tournament and bad round. I'm saying you yeah. have to plan it to the competition. Yeah, yeah. Long story short, would you have any closing thoughts on the scare discussion? Because this was fun. <laughs> I'll I'll say this: if you are a grown adult. Don't freak out at a young kid who's playing amateur, <laughs> oh, well. who's doing everything right by the PDGA rules. I'm yeah. just gonna say that. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll end my in. discussion. Chat right. is fired up. Let's yeah. go. I'll hop in here for my opening thoughts, but I'm just joking. You guys <laughs> were doing great there. Uh, I, I, I do fully agree with all y'all. Um, but I will say, I think there is a discussion to have. Um, it, it's already a thing, but having like the colored tiers essentially, where you have everyone sign up, no divisions or anything. You just have everyone sign up and then you break it out the groups essentially based on uh, how the kind of ratings fall. Uh, I mean, if you have pro and accepting cash, that's one thing too, but you just have people uh, in a chunk together. You have the the top 20 rated people, and then you have the 21st to 40 rated person and then going, does that make sense? Uh, hopefully I'm explaining it correctly, but that way, if you are, let's say the 990 am uh, playing MA1, and open you would be like the third best open player you're going to play with all the open people you're still going to decline cash that that's a situation that i don't think should happen everywhere but should happen more often uh it shouldn't be choosing where you play and then fighting over it like i mean it, it's the the nature of competitive disc golf that we're all you know talking about and uh generally playing uh but i think we can have a lot more tournaments that are competitive but then kind of grouped in a better way. So we never have like kind of the sandbagger talk move up. Um, it, that's one part. And then two, I'll say is just, it's super regional dependent. I think it's really hard to have I mean, one, a uh, qualifier to either move up or down based on rating. When you have hotbeds like Texas, Charlotte, maybe California, and then you have places like Massachusetts and the rest of new England where ratings are a lot lower where if I played in Texas, I would probably struggle to be well in <laughs> MA3, but here I'm, you know, can finish top third in MA2 pretty regularly. It's just different of locations. This mm -hmm. person, they might um, be running away with MA1 kind of often or, or finishing top three very often. But if you go to a different hotbed, they would be like middle of the road. I, I don't actually know the situation specifically, but it, it it's just tough with regional uh, dependency. Like you just got to kind of think how it, fits for all the country i don't know it's kind of hard to put it all into words yeah i think uh <laughs> no i totally Mickey guess summed that. it up well just yeah. i don't know don't don't ridicule people yeah it's yeah <laughs> that was that was good takes everybody really good takes cool. actually well so that'll conclude the scare discussion if you're looking for some awesome disc golf apparel like this lifestyle sweatshirt that i'm wearing go to discaredg.com use code nick and matt 10 percent off your order close this out ben do, 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 do. <laughs> this has been a great 
obscure discussion for that matter. Well, well I'm home this week. Can we like go through all of our sound bites and actually make something? Yeah, I was just gonna say it's so funny. We have all these like intros and segments. Yeah, we and, have like, fire emoji things that, that come on the screen. We have all these like even get professional voiceovers, but Diskira gets the boo boo boo. Okay, that's so funny. All right, I just cracked open a bag of. This is the first time, ladies and gentlemen. Believe it or not, it's the first time I'm going for the original flavor of double g craft jerky uh i am gonna give it a go i am more i'm like a flavor like i love lots of flavor and i'm excited to crack in one week we come we're not opening up like garlic lovers or anything hold on like that. hold on I'm just gonna add just first bite i'm sorry to eat on camera and chew into the microphone but first bite i'm actually blown away once again ladies and gentlemen authentic reaction i'm interested in yours the flavor is original flavor like an actual like flavor that they put on there or is this like just like not like plain jerky because it actually is a great flavor oh, what do you think 100 as a flavor right, this is, okay quick side talk everyone hates on vanilla ice cream vanilla <laughs> is a flavor and it's fantastic it's my it's, <laughs> it's one amazing. of my favorite i go to mcdonald's cream. all the time and get a cone it's so good yes. so don't hate on vanilla vanilla is good this original jerky tastes really good that's what i'm saying wow it had flavor just because it's the the default doesn't mean it's bland yeah. and boring. It's fantastic. Does so, it describe I'll on say, the packaging what the flavor is besides original? I don't know. I'll Does just, it say anywhere? Say like, out. let me see. You can read it if you want better. I can see. It's a... He's chewing jerky. Original... Oh, sorry. Mike. Original beef jerky, natural smoke flavor added. Okay. Which I have no idea what that means. <laughs> How do you naturally add smoke? But he, he did it. You smoke he it. He did it. You smoke the meat. It's the, it's the act of yeah smoking smoking meat. Ben's a child. Um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? Oh, one of my favorites. So the flavor is incredible with this, and we we talk about the flavor every single week with double G stuff. But the flavor of this one, what I really really like too is almost wow. the, the like integrity of the piece of jerky. Like it's not rubbery, and it's not super crunchy. Like, it's a good happy medium where, like, if you go to the gas station and sometimes you buy a pack and it comes out really rubbery, or and it's also salty. like $55 in my firstborn child to buy one pack of it. But this one, like, pieces. it's got a really good, I don't know, you call it texture, integrity. Everything's know. good about it. I don't really it. know what you call it. It's but like, not it's, like chewing dried it's leather. Yes. It's better exactly. than that. <laughs> Way better. Good. So here's the flavors McBee's Barbecue Original, which I just had for the first time ever, and it's fantastic. Hot Boom Sauce, Teriyaki, Smash Crack Pepper, Garlic Lover's Dream, Paul's Max Weight, Nate Sex, and Sweet and Spicy. They're talking about other products. They do players packs, uh, and we've said this already a few times. If you're getting a players pack and you've played for a lot of years and you have all these discs, you'd rather get jerky in your players pack that you can crack open during the round. Um, everybody's happy with that. In fact, the hat I'm wearing, it's getting a little dirty, but you get these hats in the players pack, my favorite hat as of late. Um, they do wholesale, wholesale, and they do charity. Check them out. Double G Craft Jerk. Use code Nick and Matt. You get a gift. It's not a percentage off. For the guy who got back to us, he's like, I think I got like a penny off, like one cent off <laughs> using Nick and Matt. And first of all, I don't know how that happened. Second of all, you get a gift. Let them surprise you. Some gift in there. Maybe they'll throw you like an unused packet of mayonnaise or something. Like, that'd be cool. Maybe you get two packs of jerky. <laughs> something. You know? Yeah. Nick's throwing it out there. I don't know if they get free packs of I don't jerky, know, but, but you never know. You never know. You never you know. You might get a billion dollars. You got to just try. You got to try. And they have all this cool stuff. We, we love them over there. Go check them out and purchase their product. We've gotten to this point in the show. We're actually on time somehow. Somehow, some way. 
Uh, and we're going to work our way through this. It's an interview like never before because in a lot of ways, we've never interviewed somebody that's outside of the sport of disc golf. The good news here is that it's still inside of the sport of flying discs. And so with that being said, uh, I think let's say without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in William Walden. And if I'm correct, the president of the Guts Player Association, let's bring him in. Oh, we had audio playing apparently that people were hearing, which is fine. It wasn't too bad, I'm sure. Um, so you were at the OTB Open. Uh, did the tournament reach out and invite you out there? And we, we still want to find out what Guts is, but did they invite you out to that tournament? Yeah, so uh, OTB invited us out to put on a Guts demo. Um, I think it all kind of happened when they were talking to, uh, in a meeting with MVP. Um, and one of our one of our guys is uh, really big in the Guts community and also works for MVP and um, talked a little bit about it and they they garnered some interest and like, yeah, come on out and do a demo. Um, so uh, we had the community, uh, had a community fundraiser and uh, everybody kind of pitched in and we we got to make it out without paying for much. I mean, I think I overall pr probably paid like 200 bucks. That's not bad at all. So yeah, I've got a few videos here lined up because we we're scrambling. And I think you might have heard a little bit of that right before the show. We had a lot going on. Simon was able to jump in. I had to restart my computer, the whole thing. But we made it work. I have a few videos lined up here. But would you just introduce to us in the most basic way what Guts is for our mm -hmm. listeners who can't see videos or anything else? What's Guts? How do you explain it to the average person? Yeah, uh, so Guts is a high energy and fast paced game of catch. You play to 21 points and uh, to score, you throw a lighter and uh, pretty flexible 110 gram disc as hard or as tricky as you can uh, at the other team in hopes that they catch it. Um, a typical defensive line is uh, five guys lined up finger, uh, fingertip to fingertip and um, you have to throw it within their reach for it to be considered a good shot. If you throw it outside of their reach, like if it's too high or if it's too wide or if it doesn't make the line, that's considered a dump and you just gave a point to the defense. <laughs> Is there a play in Guts called the dump and run any by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> it, there's something close to that actually oh. where, where so I actually uh, wanted to talk about uh, the defense part of Guts a little bit but I wrote up a little like um, uh, description of what it feels like to catch that I wanted to give to Perfect. you Perfect, read but, it. And I didn't um, mean to throw but, you off, but Evan, uh, two weeks no, ago, came up with a play in disc golf that's called the dump and run. And no, <laughs> it's it's coined here. And as soon as you said the word dump, I said we have to ask. So uh, give us that <laughs> so description. What's it like to well, catch? To complete, to complete that thought, um, <laughs> a, a common theme is like you get so fired up from a catch that you're now that you caught it, you have to throw back. And when you, you're so pumped up from that catch that you dump your next throw. So it's like kind of the reverse of a, a, a dump. That's a run and dump. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Uh, catch and dump. Okay. Catch so, dump. so the way that I've understood guts to be, and this is just my take on it. And then I want you to break it down further. Like, what does it feel like to catch one of these discs and what happened at OTB open? But generally, mm -hmm. I picture, yeah, five people lined up facing each other. And I don't know all, like, the course requirements or the layout or whatever you would call it, the playing area. But in general, my understanding is I want to throw that Frisbee. I call it a Frisbee. Do you call it a disc or a Frisbee? 
disc. Okay. Uh, so Frisbee is trademarked, so we can't actually use that word. Okay, same as disc golf. Great. So gotcha. you throw a disc that's in very essence of like a backyard Frisbee is how I understand it. Lightweight, 100 and you said 10 grams. And I'm going to just throw that as hard as I can at the other five people in a way that generally they could reach it or grab it. That's my general standing. It has to be in the playing area. And I can just like throw it right at them, like aim for their face or whatever I want to do. Is that is that fair? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. You want to <laughs> you want to try and make it so they can't catch it. So, yeah, as hard wow. as you freaking can, like blast that full power backhand at them. And um, and we definitely had some pros uh, throw at us um, this weekend. I was really hoping to see Simon throw at us. Um, he said he was going to, but he would only throw 80%. But I'm guessing after the tournament, after he won it, he probably got too busy, like signing autographs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I I would say that uh, out of all the people that I saw come and throw at us, um, Anthony Brilla was probably the the fastest shot I've I've ever seen in my life. Actually, wow. like that dude has some heat. Um, so was... that that must have been neat. So there's so many questions to ask here. I want to eventually find out like your background and connection to disc golf. You mentioned a few things there. I think originally Wes Shinovar actually connected me to you, and he's out of Discraft area, um, but. I want to hear a few more things on like the strategy here. We'll just see how the conversation flows. You said, yes, make it as hard as possible for them to catch. Tell us what are some of the tricks and tips to do that? Like I mentioned aiming at their face, but there has to be obviously more to this. Like, are you trying to pick areas really low to the ground? Are you trying to pick just high enough where it's their full extension? Are you aiming at their body? You know, like where are you aiming and what type of angles are you throwing? So offensively, there's um, a couple different ways to think about it. First off, uh, a perfect reach is you're standing flat-footed and you reach straight up. And at the the very tip of your reach, if you can throw a disc like right where it hits their fingertips, that is considered like almost a perfect spot. But the actual perfect spot is called the box. So if I reach straight up, that is a horizontal line going this way. If I reach straight out to the side, there's another horizontal line marking my reach, the extent of my reach sideways. But where those two points meet, right in the corner there there's a box that i can't reach if i reach diagonally Mm. and if you can hit that spot that's called the box there's four boxes in each corner of your your reach that you can't get to unless you jump if you go up or if you kind of dive uh downwards to to try and get the lower boxes so those are like the, the the best spots to throw um and usually like in in the finals of a tournament if you want to win you have to hit you have to hit a good spot you can't throw it at uh like for top level players you can't throw it in their bag zone as we call it which is basically like waist area at their chest like they don't have to move their hands very far Mm. um so okay and also a good a good offensive throw has uh usually they say has two or three things it's fast it moves or it's accurate um, okay. And if you're really good, you've got all three of those. Awesome. So, well, let me ask this question. Then you just led me right to it. How good are you? You're the president of the Guts Player Association. What's your history? Um, and would you say you are ranked uh, at some level in the sport? Um, that's uh, that's a tricky question, and uh, I would be a little biased. But uh, <laughs> come on, I think um, I, 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 would... I did a little research. Top ten in the world, maybe with this game. Yeah, I would. I would personally vote that I'm top 10 in the world. Um, I'm not definitely not uh, number one. Um, I have my opinion on who number one (laughs) is. And um, will you cause controversy as a president of this association? If you say (laughs) who's number one, 
No, I I, th- <laughs> I think number one is Josh Twos. There you go, Josh. Uh, Shout he, out. He lives in Utah. Um, he's just a phenomenal player. Like everything he does is gold. Like he has great movements off the line. Uh, as soon as the disc is hitting his teammates and it's not him at him, he's diving out front to catch that rebound, even if it doesn't actually come down. He's still out there out front. Um, great hands probably one of the fastest shots and he's a lefty too. So that kind of mixes it up. Um, and he's just an all around great guy. So, um, okay. I want to get this, these videos up playing for our, our viewing audience. Let's see if the audio comes back up. If it does, we got to shut it off. Let me see. Okay. doesn't look like there's audio. cupcake. <laughs> I apologize, but Oh, okay. I'm glad you guys know who that is. We he's know who that really is. Fast backhand. Jacob yeah. Cordis. So he throws, and he throws another one that's smoking. Oh, Anthony here's Anthony Barella. This is probably one of the shots you're talking about. Yeah, he hits me with this thing. Look at this. There we go. AB just rips it with oh, everything. I don't know he's if you got. can see the speed of that, but that well, had to have been like 94 miles an hour. Well, we know AB, so when we see that know, coming out. I know years and years ago, Will Shushrick did a video where he was throwing a guts disc, and this is a long, long time ago, and I'm pretty sure he absolutely smashed Oh, oh watch this. Watch this body shot right here. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Let me see what else we have for clips here. Here's another one. Um, See if I can make it just a hair bigger. So this is from the exhibition. That's the first throw of the game. Uh, That was Ryan Scott, uh, one of my longtime teammates from the Boomtown Saints. This is an epic showdown uh, to us and the Guts community because um, we've never gotten to play three-on-three before. And um, this is... uh, we're just all like really top level players and uh i think a lot of people are are excited to see this i know a lot of people have asked to see the footage already oh wow so this Um, is kind of exclusive footage that we're watching here yeah (laughs) yep wow okay so tipping i saw tipping so you're allowed to move your feet you don't have to stand still right once they let go of the disc you can move just when they release the disc you have to be on the line so so you get the disc back if you catch it wow uh yep so that shot was called a staker, and he kind of holds it uh, with it upside down with his thumb, and like has an upwards uh, air bounce with it that makes it dip dip down. Okay, give us give us the terminology that sounds fun, like words that are not for people in the sport. Like we say, Heiser, Anheuser, um, Thummer, all these words. Like, give us a list of words and guts. Um, all right, so uh, releases we call them backhand, forehand. Um, but then there's a flipper, which is where you hold it with your thumb and release it upside down, and then it flips upside right. Um, upside then right. There's, there's a <laughs> thumber. There's a thumber uh, where you kind of hold it, the bottom of the disc inside your palm, grip it real tight, and then you kind of like throw it like a baseball, and it dips really hard. Um, and then there's the staker, the fish hook. Um, Ryan Scott throws a really mean fish hook, recreates an air bounce. Uh, kind of the opposite way that I do with my with my flipper. Um, <laughs> I love these words. And the, okay, we got we got dumps. Let's see what else. <laughs> A running um, dump. <laughs> um, I actually have, if you don't mind, uh, I'd like to describe this uh, defensive do oh, please do. thing that I got going on. All right. So, wow. uh, so what I had written down was that uh, all the pros that throw, oh. throw at us really loved ripping the shots at us. And I mean, 
if they wanted to come play guts, they're going to be just naturally great at offense. Uh, but <laughs> but nobody was wanting to try out defense. Like they didn't want to be on the other side to like catch that. Um, and and Gannon summarized what I think most people's initial concerns about defense are when he said, "I don't want to mess up my hands." So that's a common misconception about guts, in my opinion, though, because uh, I, under, I understand his concern. But the truth is, it's mostly painless and. Uh, catching a great throw is one of the best feelings uh, that I've really ever experienced in a Frisbee sport. And it really gets you fired up. It's, it's hard to describe the feeling, but it probably feels like scoring a touchdown. And, and, and this is my description of what it feels like to catch. So let's imagine this catching business for a second. First off, you get to wear NFL receiver gloves, which makes it easier to catch and takes a lot of the bite off the throw. Uh, But if, if you're willing to go on a, an imaginary journey with me here, um, imagine you're standing on a guts line. You've got four teammates lined up on either, on either side of you, and there's an audience surrounding your match. The score is 19-19. You played a 21, and the other team's best thrower, let's pretend it's Simon Lazat, is lining up on you, and you're about to res- like have to be at your peak mental state to catch it. So he X-steps up to you and rips this amazingly fast backhand at you. You give it all you got and just like go at the frisbee, try to bag it, and uh, in the blink of an eye, you realize that it's stuck in your hand and you caught it, and you stopped his chance to score. Suddenly, in in the guts world, the crowd will go nuts. The crowd just erupts. Uh, they cheer. They're shouting your name. Your your teammates are dancing and shouting around you. They're patting you on the back, and inside a fire just like lit inside of you uh, as your body is reacting to the adrenaline high. Uh, touchdown right so for the next minute you're the most badass person on the field like you you can let your freak flag fly you can like (laughs) spike the disc like hold it up in the air like it's a trophy or like a lot of people will like show it to the other to the guy who threw it be like yeah look at that caught that (laughs) um and and flair is a is a big is a big part of the game um so that's that's kind of like to catch a frisbee like especially in like late tiers of the tournament like when you have like a big crowd just bagging somebody's greatest shot is like it feels like you just got on fire and i have goosebumps right now just, just <laughs> dude he's it. probably reminiscing on the days of the you know like something <laughs> like that happened to me. i yeah, we've absolutely. never had a guest oh, yeah, we've never sure. had a guest where we've all just sat there like calmly, <laughs> like just listening to this description and the chat's like dude like and ben's going close your eyes y'all just, just imagine what he's talking <laughs> Some about ASMR going on. It, that's incredible well, um yeah so that's, i i gotta yeah. i gotta go Talk to me about the tournaments. I mean, you saw OTB open for the disc golf side of things, you know, however many spectators were at that event. Talk to me about these guts tournaments. How often do they happen? You know, all that stuff. Sure. Um, so in the summertime, starting around, um, well, we, we have our first indoor tournament in March usually, but then uh, in June is there's a tournament in Wisconsin. And then there's like a tournament once a month uh, until October. Uh, there's one in October in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and that's kind of the the last one of the season usually. Um, and most of these are uh, associated with the USA Guts Players Association, um, or I think they're just called USA Guts, but they're like the governing body um, for for the sport, and they're uh, affiliated with WIFDF, which is the World Flying Disc Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, uh, you can win. You can win money. I think the biggest payout is usually either Marquette 
the national U.S. Nationals, which is my favorite tournament. Uh, it's so great. Like it's at a lake. There's a campground. You could bring your camper or a tent. Just set up there. They have like food trucks and live bands, and um, the atmosphere is, is so great. Like the community is actually one of my favorite things in guts because you can be like opponents on the line with this high intense mat, high intensity match, and then off the line you like go off the line, drink beer with these guys, and go like jump off the rope swing and the off the cliffs of uh, like you know into Lake Superior or whatever and um it's such a great venue but there's also the ift and the payout for that is usually like two thousand dollars um as a purse which is usually just enough to cover your expenses for getting there and back but (laughs) it sounds like yeah so that's exactly you know what i was genuinely genuinely curious of i mean if you're having tournaments once a month are the other tournaments are they paying out eight hundred dollars a thousand dollars or do they all kind of average around fifteen hundred to let's say twenty five hundred I think it ranges between a thousand and two thousand, okay. uh, typically. And then once every four years, we have the uh, a worlds tournament. Um, so every three years, it's called the uh, USA Guts Open. Now, and but once there, once every four years, there's a worlds qualifier event, and the winning team of that gets to go. Uh, last year, last time it was like the Netherlands, and before that it was London. But it's kind of like uh, a four-year tournament that is run by uh, WIFDIF, and you get to go there and compete. It's not for money or anything; it's just for glory. But you can say you're a world champion. If Are you, you a world champion? I'm not. I did get to go in 2016. Um, I played on USA Team Red, which was basically like the B team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also younger then, and I didn't have. Uh, I was kind of like grown in the sport. I did, didn't develop my fast backhand that I have now. Um, I've had a lot of personal growth since then, and I'm really proud of that um, to, to put me where I'm at right now. But but yeah, back then uh, I was not. But uh, the other two guys that were on my team, actually every single person in this demo that you saw in that video, they're all world champions. Uh, oh, they were there it. in 2016, and they all teamed up and, and won. So um, Japan is actually yeah. our, our biggest uh, competitor. Usually. Wow. They have a huge Gus community. I don't want to go against Japan. <laughs> They have a lot of women's teams too, which I think is really cool. Um, I'm actually wearing, I traded jerseys with uh, one of the women teams players. I don't know if you can see the guts yeah. thing mm-hmm. here, but yeah, it's pretty cool. So uh, there's, it sounds like there's so many correlations to like disc golf. Okay. So it's a flying disc sport. The community sounds generally similar in what you were describing. Um, I would imagine the percentages, tell me if I'm wrong, the percentages of women to men are probably pretty different, right? As far as how many are playing. In the U.S., for sure. In okay. Japan, it's awesome. pretty close. There's a lot of women teams. Awesome. And there used to be more women's teams in the U.S. Okay. And as far as Nick and Matt show becoming like a team that could compete, like what do we have to yes. do? Can we just can we just like check a box well, and say so, we're pro now? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Nick knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> I think you sat through that conversation, William, in our green room. But like generally, like what does it take to become pro? Is there divisions or like can we just say, hey, we want to compete against your team? Um, we have had divisions before at certain tournaments, but typically it's just uh, everybody can play, and, okay. and they're at all at the same playing level. All right. Um, if we get <laughs> if we go. get enough teams, then. Uh, but that would be amazing if you guys came out and played. I'm sure you guys would have a blast. Uh, oh, I know. Are you guys was, are you guys going to do a great. demo when like Deglo happens in July, mm. at the toboggan course? 
I'm sure we could probably make it happen. We've done that. We've done one there. there Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going. I I would love to try to catch you throwing a guts disc at me. I I would. You want to try and catch? I'll I'll, I'll give it. I mean, (laughs) yeah. I yeah. I'll be lucky if I get 60th place place at the tournament. So uh, yeah, I'm not worried about my hands. Believe me. Well, (laughs) and like William was saying earlier, like I get smashed by. I don't care. Like I I I would love to like I and we've talked about this before too where. Uh, I want just the average Joe to run against Usain Bolt in yes, the Olympics. Yeah. And I just want to see how vastly different yeah. it is. And so, like, yeah, 100%. I would love to get a guts disc absolutely whipped at me and well, try to catch it. I mean, my sick. point is also, like, awesome. so if I, I got to do offense and defense against uh, William and his team, <laughs> would I be more excited if I scored a point? Is that the, is that the term, a point goal? If, if, you, if you make it through and they don't catch it? Yeah. I, so in my opinion i think that acing acing somebody like that's that's a term where you throw it by them and they don't touch it nobody touches it okay especially if you ace between two people like they both were reaching (laughs) for it but neither of them touched it that that's a good feeling that's like wow i threw something that neither of these guys could get a hand on yeah um but but bagging's a great thrower like that is by far like it just it gives you adrenaline and it's something that doesn't that's just something completely different from disc golf like in my experience i've played in a couple disc golf tournaments um and like the you have to be like focused and kind of calm and collected and maybe zen Mm. uh, really strategize plan out your next throws i mean Mm. preach it to the choir you guys know way more than i do um (laughs) this is just my my experience but but in in guts you got to be like amped up and be like let's go and like i i know people on my team like to pound red bull like i actually (laughs) did that yeah my first huge red bull guy i'm in so i have oh i just want to say my first uh my first um disc golf tournament i played like i was playing guts I got to the tournament. I had a coffee. I started pounding Red Bull. I'm like, let's go. And I'm getting all psyched up. And then I get up to the tee pad and I just like totally rip it way off into the woods because I was just way too hype. You're ripping and it like a guts disc. Yeah. Guts. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. So I, I, I got one last question. I, I was kind of in like the tournament mindset of everything. Um, in disc golf, we have c tiers b tiers a tiers but like are, are generally our c tiers you know first place in the pro division like i just want to see tier this past weekend i made 170 bucks and it literally paid for my hotel and my gas to get up to that tournament how come there's not like low level guts tournaments happening every weekend it, let's just say in a local area like if there was 20 teams in leicester massachusetts could they just run tournaments against each other how, how does that all work uh, that's a that's a good question, um, and I think largely the answer is just that we're not that big yet. Um, okay. We we had a really big uh, guts community back in like it started in the fifties. It's actually the oldest disc golf sport, <laughs> the oldest disc sport, and um, wow, we we uh, had a lot of people in the guts community in the sixties and seventies, and then it kind of went through a drought. And it's back into a growth phase. And uh, that's why I made gutsplayers.com mm. as well to like help help give people like a place to collaborate. A lot of the younger kids aren't using Facebook nowadays. So I wanted to give them like a platform to use to like collaborate. There, we, I made a guts map so that you can find like practice locations, tournament locations, uh, guts clubs and stuff like that. Um, 
So tell us about but, this. This is that website. It's a new website, or this is place you want everybody yeah, to go. It's, yeah, it's pretty new. Um, I've hit like two two milestones out of the five that I want to get to. Um, so I have a lot of things up right now, and and people can register for tournaments. And we didn't have that presence before. Like this is new to our sport. Um, before it was all done on paper. Um, so kind of like you've uh, got that like disc golf scene. I yeah. think it's called. I was just about to say, is this? I feel like this is kind of going towards disc golf scene to where disc golf exactly. scene is where we find all of our tournaments to sign yep. up for. Them. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, has a lot of feature parity uh, with with that website. Okay. And, uh, trying to bring us into the current uh, era of the internet, I guess. <laughs> and, yeah, of the internet. And I want to say, there's really quick question here because we have our next guest getting ready to come on, but it's, are there any clear discs in the game of guts? Clear. Um, clear. <laughs> sounds no. horrible. That, would, that sounds dangerous. Yeah. That the was, orange uh, is for high visibility for sure. That was for one of our longtime <laughs> listeners in the chat. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, doc. I got a quick question. Uh, w- one, do you have to take turns when you're on the attacking side or can one person kind of be your specialty attacker? And then two, what's the general percentage um, that you score, like your scoring percentage? Is that something that's like, tracked and if i'm watching am i going to expect points to happen constantly or is it a lot of defense is it kind of a is good that mix Mando of both? about to go into the guts world I, <laughs> i'm just asking a question as a fan right now just to get that started yeah you know uh japan does a great job documenting everything like the like the per- score percentages and defense percentages uh we're we're still trying to catch up to that um they i think they're using like excel for that but um that is very important though like there there are a lot of players that in the community we you know that when they step up step up to the line they're probably going to score um and and they have like maybe tricky shots and i also have some shots that like move a lot like a kind of like a big curveball i call it the slider <laughs> but when there's newer players who haven't seen it it's almost a guaranteed point because it's so it's so weird like it's not a just straight backhand that you have to try and catch it's coming as fast as backhand and it's like doing a corkscrew so Wow. Strange. So I, I want to say thank you for coming on. And this is really one last question that I have. G- to give ask. it, Nick. Get the question. Guts Mando. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> people get, I mean, I'm sure people get hit in the face all the time. Bloody noses, teeth knocked out, anything like that ever happens? <laughs> uh, you know, somebody killed a guy. No, I'm just kidding. I was about to with walk a out. frisbee. There's actually a movie with uh, they put like razor blades on. Yes, a yeah, frisbee. we've seen that. Yeah, we've seen okay, that. okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but no, typically the most common injury is uh, you 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 throw the frisbee and like the defender tries to catch it, but it they miss and it it glances off their hand into the other guy. Oh, so it's usually like indirect contact, hmm. and then you get a black. You can get a black eye from wow. that. I've okay. seen that. Um, Broke, I've seen broken glasses. Uh, my slider has hit many people in the nuts or the beard. <laughs> um, I actually have a cool, uh, I made like a promo video for it, like back in 2014 or something like that, called the Sli- Guts the Slider. If you look it up on YouTube, it's ridiculous. It's like a funny video, but um, I made like a promo video for my shot when I invented it. And uh, at the end, it, had, it talks about hitting people in the nuts. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> wonderful. We'll be so, watching it after the Nicky Matt show today. Yeah. <laughs> So the, there's so much, there, you probably have fans in the chat room here. They've been 
building this up the whole show. So this is awesome. We have a larger live audience than usual. It's probably thanks to your community there. We appreciate that. I will also say thank you to you. You've invested in the Nick and Matt show, and I want to get this out there into the public. I was having network issues with my computer and streaming. And what we do is really important here, right? We talk about disc golf. And if we can't do that regularly or we're having to restart our computers, like, during the show because things are crashing and streams are going bad. I was at my wits end, literally. I don't remember how long ago this was, William, but I reached out to my community of disc golf friends and Wes Shinovar over at Discraft Underground said, you got to reach out to William. So we got in contact and I will say this, William is a ninja when it comes to network. Like he could right now, everyone in the chat, you better have good firewalls because he could pipe in right now and, and, no, right where you're living and what you're doing. This, <laughs> this guy is good, man. He's I've, I've been a network engineer since 2011. Uh, and self-taught, and, right? No, maybe. Yeah, yep, Yeah. sure. I mean, there, a lot of it was probably riding on the shoulders of giants, too. I mean, <laughs> that always helps you learn faster. It, William's like, I think you have one utility pull outside of your house. Maybe up another quarter mile, there's another one that has this, like, <laughs> router on it. And I'm like, how do you know this? And he's like, oh, man, you've got a lot of issues here. So... Long story short, he hooked us up, but it wasn't going to be cheap. And he said, listen, Matt, I want to talk about guts. And I said, anytime, let's do it. Let's so go. here we are on the Nick and Matt show, everybody. We hope that you've given him the time. You've listened straight through. Yes, we have Paige Pierce coming up, but we hope you appreciate it as much as we did having William on. I am going to hopefully play this at some point. Sounds wonderful uh, because I like the idea of pounding Red Bulls and throwing Frisbees at each other. <laughs> It's so much fun. You, exactly. You I'll send. I'll send you some frisbees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you give us your address, we'll we'll bring it up yeah, again. We're gonna we're gonna, we're Did gonna I say frisbees? I I meant discs. Oh yeah, sorry, discs. Frisbees. Okay. Yeah. Well, one last question. Sorry. When you're th when you're throwing on offense, are you wearing the glove still, or do you take off the glove? That's a player's choice. I okay. like to use the gloves because I like to hold it Cali grip, which Cali uh, grip. is the disc. The disc resting between my fingers here. Oh, Can you um, use any sort of grip enhancement? You know what? I saw your advertisement and I totally bought like in real time as your DG Max Wax. Yeah. Oh, you I bought some in real today. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like right. Wow. When you're talking about it. Oh, I yeah. didn't find. I didn't see a place where to add the code. Oh boy. I, I just paid full, full price. But, Dang it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna Venmo you the twenty percent yep. off you would have gotten. This yeah. was a blast. But that's I, interesting. I definitely want to try that. I want to try that for guts because, um, yeah. like, when I throw my slider, grip is really important to me. Like, if it slips out of my hand, I'm dumping, and I just gave them a point. He's and yo, DJ Maxwell, we might have just gotten something. him the whole guts community, <laughs> so we got to ask for a raise. Every guts player that's yeah. out there, and you yeah. just heard William talk about buying that, find out where to put that code in. Yeah. He was just being generous. He didn't care about that 20%, but, like, 10%, whatever it is. Use the code. Hey, and we'll get you some beef jerky. Yeah, <laughs> beef jerky. Yeah, I, I do want to try that for our player packs at the U.S. Uh, well, there US you go. Guts, Ooh, guts we got well. Double G in the Guts community now. In fact, in Double fact, G would have been a good throw. In all that. seriousness, because we just did us. that ad right before. Yeah, he did do that. There's oh, a did? video. I, I don't know if I have it. Uh, I don't have it. I don't it, think he threw 100%. Anyways. I've, seen the, I've seen him throw in... Dude he was holding back. He was afraid to hurt someone. But yeah, <laughs> he's the one who started that. We're actually going to hook you up with some jerky. So I will either have you reach out or we'll get each other's address. Just remember, we'll, we'll contact here after the show. We'll get you some free jerky. So thank you so awesome. much for coming on. Thank it was you. a pleasure. Yeah, thanks and for having me on. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about guts from here on out, maybe. The run and dump yeah. and the dump and run and all these other good things we do. But <laughs> sounds like a blast. Thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm going we'll, to practice catching that slider now. 
Yeah. <laughs> Nobody catches it. All right, man. <laughs> no one catches it. I love it. All right, William, great having you on. Have a great evening. Peace. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. All right, bye. Thank you. All right, so that was William Walden, uh, the president of the Guts God. Player Association. We now know what it is. It does sound fantastic. To me, it's like a hybrid of a, a flying disc sport. But also, like, I've loved, like, beach volleyball and all that. The idea of, like, jumping and diving, like, two on two or four on four. Sounds like there's some relation to, like, this back and forth real quick. I'm giving it to you right. harder than you're giving I, it to me. I got it right here, okay? Okay. It, it, this is kind of out there and, and weird, but I think it's dodgeball mixed with, like, baseball. Okay. Which sounds weird, but the way they were talking, like, way he's talking about the box and uh, the corner, it just, like, seems like a strike zone where it's, like, kind of wiffle ball kind of arbitrary honestly wiffle ball oh, might be a better yeah there. yeah wiffle ball may be better but that that general idea where you can throw sliders i mean he said it multiple times you can throw different kind of pitch types to try to get the swing or the catch in this instance off but then it also is like dodgeball where you're lining up across from each other just you're more of standstill and then you throw it's so i mean obviously it, perfect texas western shootout, super you know? super fun let's talk about this product i've been using a lot like i said i bathed my whole legs in it and my back and everything else this is yes I am putting on Hempfield Botanicals live and recording right now on my wrist that I have a tendonitis issue. And you can say, Matt, get that fixed. I'll tell you what, I've went to therapy. I've had electrotherapy. I've had this like, they put your hand in hot wax and like heat it up, like get it really deep, deep, deep heated. I've tried everything, including, you know, all the ibuprofens and everything else. I've decided I'm sick of doing all that. I'm going to give this a go. And guess what? It feels good after I apply it. I'm happy with this product. This is the general muscle recovery i could be using the targeted pain salve or salve i always say salve because there's an l in there it's a silent l <laughs> salve and both of them leave me feeling better and so i play better feel good play better hemp field botanicals you can see on screen organically grown hemp uh recommended by doctors and physicians use code nick and matt you get 20 percent off nick this is a product you've been using i know absolutely guess who used it right before their 10-hour drive and then right after their 10-hour <laughs> drive because sitting in a car for that long sucks for my kneecaps because they're bent the whole time and my back. And so I used it right beforehand, right after. Actually used it before Ben and I went out and played around today just to make sure that every part of my body was feeling good. And I feel great right now. I'm ready to keep going. Awesome. So this is a great product. Ben uses it. Evan uses it. We, we want to spread the love with everybody. 20% off is no joke. Like, I just realized I'm like inception with my camera here. <laughs> um, 20% off is no joke. Go use it. I did chainsawing and weed whacking all last weekend and I was feeling it in my arms and my muscles. I'm like, I know you're not supposed to be getting addicted to this stuff. There's no THC in here and THC isn't necessarily a dick thing, but I just feel like I want that product now when I feel my muscles getting sore. It's like, I need some hemp field and hopefully you feel the same way um, where you're happy with the product the way that we are. Thank you, hemp field botanicals. So we're just about ready to uh, get Paige Pearson here. But while we wait, I'm going to play a fun game called uh, Overperform, Underperform. And we don't get to talk about it. We just get to say over or under. That's it. Okay? Matt, just, just say that to yourself first. I'm saying it to myself. So let's go around the room here. And we're going to start with the MPO division. I have 10 players. And we're, I'm just going to point at you and you just say over yep. or under. I'm just going to say a name and you say generally how you feel about it. That's it. Just over or under. At OTB Open, they played over under. No, the whole season. How do you feel generally? Got it. Compared how do you to what feel? they should be doing or just this how is, compared to what yeah. you feel oh, like I they know should stat, be doing? So I know hard. the stat guy doesn't like this, but just like my feeling. That's literally it. Here okay. we go. I'm going to start with Ben and you just say I'll point to you. Simon Lazat. this year. Go. 
underrated. Uh, okay, underperform. Nick, uh, no, overperform. Oh, overperform. Yeah, yeah uh, overperform for sure. Overperform. Simon Lazat, I say, uh, overperform. All right, but let's do this. We're gonna get back to this game, but because we, <laughs> I just realized we're using that as a filler right now. But we have Paige Pierce lined up. So let's get out of the filler game and let's jump into an awesome interview here with Paige Pierce, everybody. Welcome to the show, Paige. We're glad to have you. Appreciate you taking the time to come on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Great. Wonderful tonight. We're doing better now that you're here. Although we had a great interview with uh, the the president of the Guts Player Association. Have you ever played Guts before? Um, no, I have not, but I used the Frisbees this weekend to play catch, and they were nice Frisbees, Okay, it's a crazy game. You throw it as hard as you can at each other, and he said it's fun, and I think it sounds fun. Yeah, I like throwing things, so I bet I would like it. She can join uh, MVP Open, us four, get the fifth person, we'll have Paige, and we'll have a... Okay, cool. There we go. I'm in. All right. I guess, first off, we gotta say congratulations. Yes. On... Thank you very much. Once again, another Elite Series event win. Incredible to watch. Thank you. Thank you. How did it feel? Give us the emotions going into the last round and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, going into the last round, I, I just felt like excited to play the course again. The, honestly, the shots out at Swenson Park are so cool. Like you're throwing every single shot in your bag. You're throwing sidearm, backhand, roller, hyzer, anhyzer. Like it's, it's a real test of all your skills. So it's more so than most courses that we play it, it it's really cool to just walk up to a shot and not know what you're going to do until you get up to it so um i just love that aspect of disc golf and like you know no matter how many times you play the course you're you're throwing a different shot than you did the round before so i was just excited to get back out there and throw some more shots and see what the course was going to give me and it gave me quite a few circle two looks um and i really I wanted to make some circle two putts. So I ran a couple that I probably shouldn't have and made it a little closer than I wanted. But, you know, hindsight, like I don't regret anything. Like, and I thought all of my circle two putts that I did run were super close bids anyway. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just, I had fun and it was really cool to have the gallery so engaged, you know, like every shot, it was like they felt it with you and, uh, you know, you know, I felt like they were super happy for me at the end, but I also felt like they felt this like heavy heart for Natalie and they, they verbally expressed that at the end and just like hell of a run Natalie and like the standing ovation. And it was just beautiful. It was a great weekend. Nice. Now, before the tournament started, there was a quote of you just saying you felt unprepared for this event. Where did that kind of come from? And then, like, why do you feel like you felt unprepared? Um, well, I, I think when you're playing a new course, like, I, being a veteran on tour, I'm so used to just knowing the course. I know exactly what I'm going to throw. Um, also, I'm in, in the swing of the tournament. So taking two weeks off, coming to a new course, I only knew, like, three or four of the holes that carried over from last year. Um, basically I'm learning a brand new course and, uh, it was just so long and getting my body back ready, tournament ready. Uh, the first two practice rounds, I didn't feel, uh, I didn't feel confident at all. The third practice round, I was to the point where I knew what discs I was going to throw at least. So that third practice round felt quite a bit better. 
Um, but still I, I had lower expectations than I typically have for myself. So, um, yeah, I think I also kind of touched on that. It was cool to feel a new set of emotions like that. I've never really felt that before. So it was cool to, to just, uh, you know, go through some new emotions and the game of the game of disc golf yet again, tested me with some new thoughts going in. Yeah. And I would just say, I'm curious how you were tested going into the last round with a nine stroke lead and almost it well, actually it did evaporate altogether uh, down to the last two holes. Uh, do you find yourselves in moments like that where it's starting to get very serious, if you will, maybe it's not for you. I don't know. Uh, do you find yourself getting very serious and trying harder in those moments or is it just, just do what you always do Paige? Like what are your, what's your mindset? <laughs> um, I think if you're trying to think of like, what do you always do? You're kind of dictating your own story based on your past. And I think every day is, is a new day. And, uh, or I at least hope it is, you know, like who wants to live the same day over and over again. Right. So for me, especially in that round, I mean, I, uh, I didn't check the scores. This is my third tournament in a row now where I haven't uh, been on UDISC at all. My phone's on airplane mode. I'm not receiving any kind of messages. That's no why she service. wouldn't respond. Man, I tried over <laughs> and over. No, <laughs> no so, um, yeah, it actually it helped me, especially for someone who my brain is just going so fast all the time. And so to eliminate the scores from those those thoughts in there was really really beneficial for me um to not be thinking about that and actually like I I didn't know the scores until hole 16 um and I looked up at the scoreboard and I saw that we were tied and I was like what oh my god really <laughs> and I looked at Joe and I was like is that is that accurate and she was like yeah it is and I was like okay guess I need to get two pars here or a par and a birdie would be ideal um so yeah in those last two holes that definitely felt uh the pressure and the stress stress and the tension um but luckily I mean that could have been that could have been 15 holes of stress but instead logging off UDISC um not being on my phone at all not looking at the scoreboard I didn't have to feel that stress for as long of a period of time so uh, I felt like that was a good move on my part and I, something I'll continue to do on tournaments in the future. Um, you know, if I have a caddy, I'll just kind of tell them, hey, let me know. And I told this to Joe too, let me know if she gets within three of me. And she told me. Um, so, you know, things like that where it's like, okay, you don't really need to stress. Um, I've also done it the complete opposite too, where like I feel like my round is absolutely terrible. And then I'm like, hey, Caddy, like, what's my score at? And they're like, hey, you know, you're still in the top five. And I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Okay. I need to stop freaking out then. So I think there's comes a time and a place, but for those people that are playing tournaments and, you know, looking to close out a tournament, I think just, just stick to the golf and focus on the shot ahead of you and log off the phone. Okay. Um, people in our chat are asking about an earbud maybe that they saw during a round. Do you, are you listening to something or is this something new that you're trying? Yeah, I actually just, this was the first event ever in my entire disc golf career, actually, that I put, um, some AirPods in and I, uh, like I always want to be, I mean, these are my, my disc golf family, my, you know, my, like, it feels like my cousins, my, you know, sisters are out there like 
I'm playing with them and um, I want to be a part of the vibe and a part of the card. And, and uh, also I just enjoy like the sound of the wind and the birds and the leaves rustling. So I, I've never really tried it before cause I wanted to like be super present. Um, but yeah, so I decided I wanted to try this and, um, my brain's been super active lately. So many thoughts coming in and out and I wanted to just kind of like flow into like a music vibe and just kind of get on, get on the train of like what, what the music was. And so, um, yeah, it was super nice. It helped me like if I had any thoughts, um, I would just be like, okay, Paige, this is one of your favorite songs. Like just start jamming you know and so it was really helpful actually i i think it's a definite advantage and you know luckily it's legal right now so i'm gonna keep doing it i think i i just joe my caddy she bought me some airpods my birthday's on tuesday so she bought me though i borrowed hers so she bought me my own set so i'm gonna be rocking those at portland man. open and uh we all know, need I a caddy I'm... like joe man <laughs> but yeah i think i liked just having one in um and so like on the tee pads, I would place myself to where my card is on the other side so I could still hear them, take score properly, all of that. Um, but then, yeah, like when I was throwing or anything like that, it was like I was just in that zone and, uh, you know, just just flowing, not thinking too much. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I heard you in the post round interview, I think I, I don't I didn't write this down or quote it, but along the lines of you found yourself kind of wondering at some point, like what the commentators might be saying during the round about certain things like, Oh, Paige is out of it or Natalie's out of it. Like you were saying, don't count anybody out. You were saying like, let's, you know, root for each other. Let's think the best, that kind of a scenario. Can you elaborate on that post round interview? You kind of seem to have an opinion that you wanted to share. And I just want to give you an opportunity to maybe elaborate a little more on that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't for that event. I actually wasn't thinking any of those thoughts. And I think that's because of the earbud, but, um, yeah, the night before, so Saturday night, um, we had like a, uh, players party where Kevin Jones DJed and then we had a band come out and stuff. And I saw Simon, um, out there and I just gave him a hug. I was like, you know, you're my hero. Like you're killing it. You know, you're, you're a dad and you're out here every weekend, like getting top 10, top five, like Simon's had such a good year. And, um, you know, regardless of what happened the final day, I was just wanted him to know I was proud of him. And he told me that, you know, he's like, man, I need some mental coaching. I'm just blowing all Simon's secrets, but he loves me. It's he okay. was on here. He surprised <laughs> us earlier yeah, in the show. He's he, hired mental okay, coaches cool. to come out to like cool. worlds before we, we know he needs cool. help mentally. We know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he just like, he just told me, you know, like, man, I'm, I find myself out there all the time. Just wondering what the commentators are saying. Like, what are they going to say if I do this? What are they going to say if I do that? Like, and um, I was like, you know, Simon, that's not just you. That's all of us. Like, I am there all the time, all the time I'm, I'm there. And it's like, it's just our natural uh, tendency to, like, wonder what people think of you. Oh, because we're thinking about what other people are wearing or, you know, dressing like or what are they eating? Oh, do I like that food? Oh, you know, and it's just like my my sentiment was just supposed to be i have a hard time keeping things brief as you guys probably know but we love it um you can never find the right words you know but um yeah like basically my point was just like 
not directed at the commentators for that weekend or not uh, directed at OTB anything. It was just a general thing of like, we should all be pushing each other up, you know? Like if we're sitting behind Nick, Carl, and we're like, yeah, Nick, like you're crushing that podcast, you know? He's gonna have a better podcast. But if we're like, hey, Nick, man, you really haven't been doing so good. Like, so I don't read comments. Yeah. Gonna, we, we don't read the comments you at know? the Nick and Matt show. <laughs> but you should be able to. Yeah. That's okay. my whole point is like, no yeah. matter what, if you are involved with something and maybe you guys watching, you don't like what Nick and Matt have been up to in this, in this two minute segment, you wish this two minute segment was better. Instead of leaving a comment saying, hey, that was terrible just say hey i really love it when you guys do this like you should you should do that more like that is so cool you know like Alyssa always um congratulations by the way yeah holy cow oh, congratulations on that that's that that should have been the first thing we said but yeah we have her on so much thank you yeah we gotta congratulate you every week i feel like so thank you all right sorry we got that out of the way appreciate it but yeah like when i when i play a round of disc golf with her which she very rarely plays she'll hit like the third tree on the fairway and she'll be kind of like disappointed and i'll give this feedback where i'm like oh hey it was a nice angle out of your hand like blah 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 and i just pick the positive to take from it and she thinks i'm just being nice because i love her but that's just how my brain works and i and i wish that's how more people's brains worked is like focus on the good like don't focus on hey you hit that tree like man that was a sweet hyzer i just needed it to be a little bit wider and so like that's that's just my sentiment is like it's all about perspective and like if we want the sport of disc golf to grow we should be empowering each other and this is even well beyond disc golf. It's like, you know, if you see someone on the street, like if you see a homeless person, don't be scared of them. Hand them some food. They're hungry, you know? And so I, I just think that there's so much kindness in people, but they tend to just save it and use it for their closest people around them. But really the people that need your help and encouragement are the people that are out there struggling. So I don't know. It wasn't about OTB open or anything like that. It was, it's just more of a broad, broad statement, you know, like we, we are all looking for some love, just, just empower the people around you and the whole world's going to continue to evolve for the better. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I've done some thinking after our last interview with you because you started talking about how to cheer and root each other on. It seems like there's a kind of a common message here that you're experiencing and learning yourself. I think some of our fans had a little trouble with the concept of like how they perceive sports to be. And so I was even talking this over with my wife. Yes, I have a wife that I talk to about disc golf and sports and life. <laughs> and I brought you up today, Paige. I said, Paige is coming on. I've been thinking about some of the things she said. And one of them was like, how do we compete right and i know you're talking about being at a sporting venue and saying like oh let's not boo the players and i think what's interesting here is a competitor i don't want to go out of my way necessarily to like cheer up my compet competition right like i'm gonna be like hey that was a great shot because like i kind of want that advantage to myself where like i'm just gonna play and let my playing do this talking right and i don't think that's what you're talking about right you're not talking about going out of your way to cheer up your competition you're just saying why not hey, okay this is Paige's take. That's why Kevin Jones is my favorite MPO player because he's 
he's not so in his own world that he can't have this genuine, pure, beautiful excitement for Kyle Klein. You know, like if Kyle Klein throws this sick shot, Kevin's going to be the first one there. Like amazing shot, dude. And you know, you're going to hear that. And that gets the crowd excited because as much as we want to stand out, people really don't want to stand out. You know, like people, you don't want to be the first one to clap. Like, oh, did everybody else like that shot? Oh, okay. Now I'll clap. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, if you thought something was cool, scream about it, you know, like let your emotions out. If you, if something hurt your feelings, cry about it. Like it's okay to feel things. And I think that's why Kevin is, is a hero. And, you know, I try to strive to be like that. If I, if I see someone throw a sweet shot, I want to applaud them for it and let them know, like why that shot, not only, Hey, that was a good shot, but Hey, I really liked the way like Des Redding did to me one time. She told me like, nice, nice wind read into that headwind. Like you had a great angle to fight that headwind. So like, you know, it wasn't just like, Hey, six shot fist bump. You know, it was like a thoughtful thing. And I was like, yeah, I felt empowered after that, you know? And so like, it's just, it's contagious. Just give people some compliments and they're going to do the same. I like that, and I think your response there caused me to reflect a little bit on how disc golf is for me, and I think I'm thinking at my amateur level. I'm like, oh, I'm always going out of my way to say, hey, that was awesome shot, great shot, like really raise the vibe. But for some reason in my head, when I feel like you get to that pro top level, it might change. But but Nick, how how often, and Paige, I mean, how often have we heard in pro sports, sometimes they'll mic players up. Yeah. And I always go back to Tom Brady because that was our guy for so long here in the Northeast. But you would even hear him when he would get hit, right? He would compliment the defensive player. Mm-hmm. Hey, nice hit number 42. He's like, I felt that one, you know, like, but I'm coming yeah. back to beat you. So, like, I, I can see what you're saying, Paige, and I appreciate you you spreading this message. I think um, many need to reflect on this. And I, I we don't know, you know, right or wrong or indifferent, but it's a great message that we can reflect on. Um, yeah, there's room for there's room for lots of birdies. Just because if I get a birdie, it doesn't mean <laughs> my card can't. mates can't birdie. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah. like, you know. Am I allowed to actively boo the Miami Heat right now, though? <laughs> oh, no. Paige would say no. <laughs> How are they doing? We're up 12 to 1 I don't, right I now. I really but... hate the booing thing. I oh, really hate no. it. it was, I saw, wasn't I'm not that gonna so boo, beautiful? I'm not going to boo them. I'm not going to go talk crap to any Miami Heat fans or Twitter or anything <laughs> like that. Like, I, I'm such a, a, a relaxed fan that, uh, honestly, like, when my team is on, I just want to watch them play, and I'll... I'll root for them, the Miami Heat, to miss a shot in the heat of the moment. But, like, after the game's over, it's like, if they won, hey, great game. If they lost, hey, great game. Like, it's – I don't have <laughs> he says that. anything yeah. afterwards to, but, like, say. But there are so many Twitter warriors who are – I don't know. It's just – it's yeah. funny. But it, but it goes you, along okay, with what she since said. We're, since we're on the sports topic, yeah. we'll just stick with that, right? So why is it then those people, or maybe you, Nick, like <laughs> – when someone gets hurt on the field and everyone takes a knee and it's like this moment of silence and then that player gets up and they're okay. Even the competitors fans and the competitors are cheering for them. Mm -hmm. Why can't we do that all the time? Why does it have to be when you overcome an injury, you know, like, or is that fake then for those people? You know, I I think, I think in the injury aspect, like I, I would never wish an injury upon any of my disc golf competitors or any of the competitors of sports teams that I like. Like I, and like when players go down, like Ty, Tyler Harrow tonight isn't playing game four because of a groin injury. And like that sucks because 
I want the Celtics to beat the best Miami Heat team. I want the best Miami Heat team to beat the best Celtics team. Like, I don't want to see players get injured, which is actually a topic that we were going to talk about, you know, a little bit in the show later on, potentially. But um, I think in the injury aspect, that's probably the most real that two fan bases will get together in kind of unity. And then after totally. that, I think at that point, it's kind of like you root for your team. I root for my team in a sense. Yeah. Which is fair and fine and happy and good, yeah. but there should never be it. It should be, hey, when when Tom Brady throws a uh, interception, you shouldn't like uh, a Tom Brady hater shouldn't be like, yeah, Tom Brady, you suck. It should be like, yeah. wow, nice job to the cornerback that just uh -huh. intercepted that, right? So can all and the Tom Brady haters just stop calling him a cheater then? Like, can we all come to agreement? <laughs> oh, no, that might be too much. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm going off topic, but I do appreciate also, everything you're saying. <laughs> Nobody ever knows the whole story. So oh, this is a great point. You know, great who point. knows what who actually knows? happened? <laughs> what is Tom Brady accused of cheating? Oh, no. oh, oh, things, deflated <laughs> footballs, the spy okay. gate, the, oh, who knows? Oh. Yeah, boo. I don't follow no, the kidding. football yeah. stuff. <laughs> That's okay. Much. The only reason I know about it is because every single time someone's like, oh, you're from Massachusetts? I'm like, yeah. They're like, you like the Patriots? I said, obviously. And they're like, Oh, freaking cheaters. <laughs> just, I'm like, yeah. I, dude, I don't play for them. Like, I just yeah. like to watch football, man. <sighs> right. This is a great conversation, Paige. I feel like every time we have you on, I have stuff to reflect on. And I, maybe it's selfish, but we're going to keep having you on. It's like free therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, too, actually. Like, I was just talking to Jamie Thomas about this. I had a DGN interview, and I was like, wow, these are really therapeutic for me. Like, you, you think all these things, but then when you're forced to, like, answer it yeah. it's like wow that's what i think huh wow yeah. but um yeah totally it's like yeah totally so thank we, you guys for having yeah me. we appreciate it very much always i feel funny and i'll just say this publicly when we reach out we know it's a struggle sometimes you're traveling on the road i feel bad but i'm like we have to do our due diligence we have to invite the players that the fans want to hear so if you ever want to shut us down no hard feelings we'll still root for you no today you. was Today was a hard one for me, but I do have some stuff I want to promote. So, so do it. Yeah. It so this kinda, is the time. Okay. Please. The floor is yes. yours. Do it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So my tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern, um, I have a website relaunch. So we're having. Uh, well, I'll just tell you because we're live and here we are. But oh, exclusive. Um, we, is this exclusive? <laughs> where am I? Where am I? I think so. I think so. Oh. Nick and Macho exclusive. All right. Here we go. Um, yeah, so I have a website relaunch and we're do we have some more videos coming out tomorrow that are teasing it, but, uh, yeah, we have nine new discs releasing and a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of other merch patches for bags, water bottles, coffee, coffee cups, stools, um, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I I've been working on it for a few months now and I actually haven't even teased anything about it just because it's like, it felt like it was yeah. so far off to get nine discs made, but yeah, they're all like pagepierce.com exclusive. So like, uh, I'll just say one of them. I'll say, say one, please. Um, we're doing uh soft fierces. So that's the one I'll tease, but yeah, so it's like, it's never before discs, like, you know, fierces, passions, nukes, you, mm -hmm. you know, all the discs or whatever, but it's new plastics that you can only get on pagefierce.com and wow. stuff. So Wait, can you drop another it's one? been, are you doing anything passions? with the nukes? Any, like anything pretty sweet with nukes? There is some sweet nuke right, stuff going right. out. Nick's and I got oh, yeah. nukes, nukes are literally like my favorite desperate. The Paige Nick, Pierce nukes. I'm telling you, yeah. I got so hyped right. today. Yeah. I just was in the field 
I caught a red eye flight so I could come out and do some promo stuff. I got two and a half hours of sleep and I, I was like dreading it. I was like, man, this wasn't worth it. This wasn't worth it. And then I threw this nuke. I was like, uh, so yeah, I'm buying them all. everything changed. Yeah, <laughs> everything changed. You'll see the you'll see the videos tomorrow. But yeah, yeah. Hannah so McBeth is in sweetest. the chat. She's saying I need just all caps. I need <laughs> Hannah McBeth. So, yep. Yeah, right, cool. Hannah, you will like them. Anything else that you wanted to promote, or is that good enough? I mean, that was good for no, us. No, that's but, it. That's okay. it. That's what I've been working on for awesome. a long time now. And so it's cool to see them all, like, you know, I've been staring at them on a computer screen yeah. or texting back and forth. Hey, how about this? Okay, no, different color. Oh, no, I don't like that, you know. And so now today was the first time I got to hold them all in person and, nice. you know, go throw them and stuff. So it was great. And perfect timing because Portland's coming up and, you know, a refresh of drivers will be sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you made Hannah's day. She said my name. Let's go. That's what Hannah commented. So awesome. Uh, again, congratulations for all yes. your success, for your engagement, and for everything that you have going on. The website relaunch. Everyone go check that out. Support. And uh, my birthday is oh, in a few on. days. Oh, here we go. Oh, that's right. You said you got yeah. the earbuds. That was a gift. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And happy well, birthday. Well, from the Nick and Matt show, we can, if you like beef jerky, we can send you beef jerky yeah. for your birthday. <laughs> we do this every time. Hannah will take it. Okay, oh, wait. So Hannah gets free beef jerky. No. We'll, we'll, we'll open it up here for you. When the mushroom jerky comes there we'll get you that yes yeah. seriously tell them yeah. i We've actually told i got some mushroom jerky and i gave it to him and i was like hey i'm telling you it's all pretty right. good well they're thinking all about right, it they're right, feeling right, out right. the audience so nice all right cool nice. thanks for your time Paige. we really appreciate yeah, thanks it for have having, a great evening always. good success bye guys bye. all right that was Paige pierce uh that was like. that was uh we've had a lot of my brain is spinning today. in a good way yeah Paige I, is fun to listen to Guys, it's twenty-one to four right now. Just by I way. know. I saw that. I was like, "This is." Can you like put the game on one of these TVs so I could just be distracted the whole rest of the show? If I'll literally want, talk go, till ten thirty on wait. the show tonight. Go drop the projector. See that button on the wall over there? Yeah. We're near the thermostat. Go over there. Take off the headphones though, or else okay. you'll rip it off. There's a button next to the thermostat. Press the down. Yep. Push that down and go to Evan's camera. Go to Evan's camera. Evan. There. Okay. He's on camera. <clears throat> um. And what we're gonna do? <laughs> Is I might have to get up and do something too. I can't get out of the way. I, I can distract them for. <laughs> so let's do this. Let's have the evidence. Yeah, Bevan, Bevan Curry. Okay, distract for just a second. We have a little bit left to talk about. We will come back. So you guys talk about something disc golf related. All right, yeah. Evan, I'm looking uh, for those glow passions to be released on pagepierce.com. Yeah, can you give it to me? Uh, I'll send it. Oh, thanks. I'll do that. Well, I, I it's you can, if you want to talk about glow passions more you can I'm not gonna stop you yeah what do you want to but talk about Evan I I was just reading over my notes uh and I totally skipped something that I thought was really interesting so in 2017 Simon Lazat finished on the podium at nine of his 13 elite series and majors in 2017 since then he also has nine podiums but across all those years combined so 2018 to 2022 but the tricky part is, I don't know if tricky is the right word. That's not the right <laughs> word. But in 2017, he had zero wins. He had nine podiums and zero wins uh, from 13 events. Since then, nine podiums and two wins, but from 47 events. So he's getting the wins, finishing on the podium a lot less. But I'd say two wins, I'd rather have that than Kinda no wins. That. Yeah. But nine out of 13 podiums is pretty dang good compared to nine out of 47. I agree. 
So <laughs> yes, this is a great test yeah. for how the show would go when we're away. I would actually love it for an hour if you guys just ran the show. Like, I just do whatever. Agree. <laughs> so I I just want to say you know one or two things really quick on Paige's interview that was so freaking true, and I didn't really was kind of like Simon was talking about it too, but. I have had two moments of being on live disc golf. One was in 2018 when I was an amateur, so I didn't really care about it as much when I was on the feature card for MVP Open. But for Waco, when I made the lead card, that like one of the biggest things that I think really hit me mentally was, you know, and it started right on hole one. It was like, oh, I just airballed a 60 footer. People are going to think, oh, this guy sucks. And then hole two, it was, oh, I threw my OB and then I three putted like, oh, why the heck is this guy on the card? And then hole three, I hit a tree. Like it was, what are the commentators saying? What's Jomez going to say? What's the hundreds of thousands of people that are eventually going to watch this? That Like I, I honestly goodness did not ever want to watch that round. I ended up watching the next day with the guys I was staying at the Airbnb with because I was sleeping on the couch and the TV was in the living room. But, um, yeah, that was something in my mind, and it hit me right on the second hole of, like, what are they going to say about me? And then I think we got to hole five, and Paul was like, bro, slow down. He's like, you're taking 10 seconds on the tee pad. Take 15 to 20. Just slow it down. Play your game. And then I got a birdie. But it was like it was still one of those things of, like, because I know there was probably hundreds of comments of people saying, how did he make lead card? Only reason he's known is because of Paul McBeth and Hannah. Like all that crap that people are just going to talk. And it, well, it it's true, isn't it, Nick? I mean, in a technically speaking <laughs> way. Yeah. People think I'm <laughs> no, so but, mean to you on this show, but yeah. they don't know how far back Nick and I go. Exactly. I mean, it's almost 20 years at this point. <laughs> I but, remember Nick when he was like four. <laughs> yeah. But in, in all honesty, though, like mentally that that freaking crippled me. I called my dad about it afterwards. Really? And I was I like, I don't think I ever heard. That. Oh, yeah. Well, it was just more like, well, I would be in the same place. Because I like for this show. I'd be in the I'm same not place. a professional podcaster. Like I, we do a podcast because oh, you're we all really, really enjoy. Check the box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like for disc golf, like I consider myself, <laughs> yeah, I consider myself a professional disc golfer. And so when I have a bad day, it's like having a bad day at work. Yeah, you know it sucks. Yeah, but I, my other jobs. If I had a bad day at work, I wasn't getting trashed on by a bunch of people who I have no idea and probably. I'm not trying to say this to sound like a tough guy because that's really not, but like they wouldn't say that to my face. Right. You know what I mean? Like they wouldn't say what they potentially said on the internet. I don't know. Maybe there were no bad comments. I know there were some, but like, <laughs> no, that's not. just kind of, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's just a, it kind of when Paige was talking about it, when Simon was talking about it, like Simon Lazar is one of the most loved people in disc but golf. He still, and he still kind of thinks about that of like, Oh, what are they saying? And honestly, goodness, like, I don't know if I've ever seen or heard a comment bad about Simon and the commentator side of things. Like I didn't listen, mm. you know, to every single thing they were saying, but like, we don't talk about, maybe if he threw a bad shot, it was like, Oh, it's just a little short when OB, whatever. He drains a putt right after and everyone loves him again. So I don't okay. know what, pa what Paige and Simon were talking about is definitely true to any disc golf. You can't see the chat, but Hannah's been lighting you up in the whole chat. The Probably. Whole oh yeah. No. That's she, why. <laughs> she's re responding to everything you're saying. You're like, I'm not a professional podcaster. She goes, You're not, right? And then she does like the cry emoji, and then she's like, Got him, because Nick can't see the chat right now. Yeah. But then, then when you said like they won't say it to my face, she goes, I'll say it to <laughs> yeah. your face. <laughs> of course. So okay, course. we love Hannah in the chat. We, we this was a fantastic show. I do want to close out with this segment though. 
The one where I was getting to yeah, by the his over, page got yeah. it. So everyone's like, ah, we're not going to do like the lightning round version where I'm like, bah, bah, we're just going. You can take half a second. I'm going to say Simon Lazat, okay? Overperformed, underperformed, not overrated, underrated. Yeah, no, overperformed, it's, it's, underperformed. it's your mentality of how are they doing this year compared to maybe how you thought or expected they might be doing. Okay. Okay? Gotcha. So if I say the name Simon Lazat, what do you think, Ben? He overperformed. He's playing better. Yes, than overperformed. he's okay. playing Nick, better. Nick, did you say over? Over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say over as okay, well. Okay, I agree. Let's go Calvin Heimberg, Ben. Honestly, over. Nick. Uh, uh, yeah, I would say over as well. Like he's, yeah. I agree. Leading at podiums in the year. You know it wouldn't be the Nick and Matt show if I didn't <laughs> say over. I feel like he's, can I? Can we put the meat expectations in there? He's playing, he got a win, so that might give him the tick, but I'm going to say like meets expectations. Uh, Drew Gibson. Over. Over. Yep. That's that's tough. Uh, I mean, LVC uh, <laughs> getting a win. Top five at this I, one, right? Uh, I think he was. I think he dropped to like seventh or so or sixth. Top ten at this um, one. Top ten though. It, he's been on a. It's been a long run. It's, it's over under. <laughs> Come uh, on, Kurds. Ding, ding ding ding. I'm gonna say over. Over. All right, and I feel like I have to say over because I wouldn't have expected his performances necessarily last year. So I would say over as well. Uh, let's go to Joel Freeman. I know that yeah, Ben's shaking his head. I know he's a big fan of Joel Freeman. What do you think? Honestly, and I don't know if you guys remember the beginning of the, when I first came on, I said he was going to go lower in the world rankings, but I think he's overperforming. I think he's doing exceptionally well. Nick. I feel like I haven't heard about him once this year, so I'm going to say under. Oh, okay, Evan. I feel like I've heard about him plenty. Oh, I'm, th- I'm saying that kind of. He, he's made a name. He's, he's made a name on his on his uh his voices on events. I think lately, or just his his actions outside of his play. Not that they've been really bad. Just, mm-hmm. uh, I would say he's under. been a little bit more vocal. Yeah, a little vocal. I think he I think he can play even better than he has. So that's why I'm going to say under. Wow, I say over as I, well. And- I just think he's very good. Now I just want all the stats to prove this. But this is anyways, just based yeah, off of, yeah, we could have planned this yeah. segment out and had someone get the stats for this. But I this is an eye test. This is the eye test version. That's what we're going around saying how we feel. I feel like Joel is over because he's playing better than I think he did last year. Yeah, I feel like 100%. he's on average performing higher, for yep. sure. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. All right, Gannon Burr, Ben. Oh, whoa, my whoa. bad. Okay. Easy peasy lemon squeezy over. Okay, Nick. Under, he should be winning everything. <laughs> now, obviously, over. Okay, I I agree. Over. I think I feel fantastic. bad saying over though because like you're not saying he's just he's, performing yes. perfect. Like I but love it. Coming like, into but, this uh, yeah, season, over. coming into this season, how did you yeah. feel about him? Is he playing better than? Playing or oh, definitely better. And we might hit him up. We might hit these two, but I'm thinking Adam Hammes, Kyle Klein, his run right now feels Wrong like Gannon those two. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be curious. How, like I'm excited to see how that falls compared to those two guys. I just yeah. okay. I say over as well. And next year, if he does this, I'll say meets. But that, that'd be crazy, too, if I said meets when he's playing so well. Uh, we're moving over to Ricky Wysocki. Ben, uh, how do you feel? I'd say meets expectations. Okay. You don't feel one or the other? Right. Th- yeah, no, it's one, over under. We'll do meets next time. It's over I do under. Over, over Everyone then. gets one meets. Yeah. Everyone gets right. one meets. I'll do, I'll do meets because he, he's right. winning and doing great. Well, damn it! Now I want to say meats. <laughs> you get one meats for all the all. Meats. How many more do we have? He's got the meats. I got. Uh, you have five more in the MPO. 
Okay. Neat. Okay. <laughs> I do want to spiel on this. I'm saying under, and I'm saying it over under. You're just I said it. under. I said under. I'm very clear about that. Paul. I mean, we might get to him. I think he's underperforming this year. <laughs> he keeps going Eagles, Eagles been injured. Yep. So I think Ricky should be winning more than he has because of those two things. Mm. I think meets because now I'm going to explain. Keep I think meets because he is winning still. He's placing well. And disc golf players have just gone so freaking good lately. Yeah, but coming Plus, into the season. How coming into I the feel? season, though, new bag. Okay, so Nick says meets. Coming into this season, I wasn't sure with the new bag, so that is a little bit of like a wild card. But if I just have all things the same in my mind with Ricky, I feel like he's slightly underperforming. I'm close to the meets. I'm honestly, I, I lean more under than I do meets. Okay. And saying under is not saying he's having bad No, no, no. Yeah. This is That's just how, how you're feeling. Your eye test for how yeah, you feel he, coming into the yeah. season. Uh, all right, next up. You mentioned him already. Let's let's turn this clock around. We're going back to Evan oh, here. Man. Uh, Paul Macbeth. Yeah, under. Okay. I, I hate I, <laughs> under. Ben. Under. All right. Paul McBeth definitely overperformed. No, <laughs> I can't say over. He's the GOAT. So I, I, you could almost say meets. You could almost say meets, but there's probably one or two events that are leaning me towards under. He has more elite wins this year at this point yeah. than he did last year at this point. Right. So the season could shift. We could do this game again at the end of the season and see if it's changed. So when did he start? How many did he end with last year? Des Moines though? was his first one, right? He only had two. Which one? Des Moines. Des Moines was Which in was August. A, no, that was July. June? It's in August this year. That's yeah. Why this year it's later than it was. It, so, it substituted the Europeans. So June was in. It was before. June it, was in uh, Utah because that's when we went to Worlds. Oh, it was his first event after Worlds because it was the whole big thing. That's right. It was. His, his, yeah, because he always. Worlds. Yeah, he always usually does. Well, always usually always does pretty well after Worlds. <laughs> yeah, the newest DGC. <laughs> like yeah. he, so he, he only had two elite major wins last gotcha. year. Which Nine, was fifty percent all the time. Oh, USCGC. <laughs> he's gonna be a back of the season warrior, and he's gonna crush it. I know it. Okay, I'm not saying how we're projecting they're doing. It's at this point, it's checking yeah. in. All right, and if you're looking over Evan's shoulder, you're seeing a commercial, but you're also watching the Celtics every now and then. <laughs> oh, so. wait, yeah, I don't want to get copyrighted, though. No, no, no. Don't you, show you it. You can't. You won't get copyrighted head. for this. We're, we're doing enough modification. Okay, uh, Calvin Klein, going back the other direction. Calvin ben. Klein, great underwear Yeah, brand. Calvin Klein. I've done that two <laughs> times on the Nick and Matt show. We've interviewed Calvin Klein, everybody. Kyle Klein. Uh, Kyle Klein. Oh, for a second, I was like, wait, we already talked about Calvin. I didn't even put the Calvin Klein part Klein, of my yeah. head. <laughs> he doesn't even get that. I literally think of that. I'm like, wait, what? Kyle Calvin? Klein, I think for him, he's underperforming. All right, Nick. Kyle. Under. In the first round, under. All the other rounds, meets. So, in total, under. Arby's, we got the meet. Wow, you're going really statistical there, which makes sense. <laughs> if you didn't uh, play the first round and it was average, you'd be doing Wow. As good as people would. I have to say under. I am sorry to say it for him. I feel like he's got the skills. But all right, going to Adam Hammes, Ben. Unfortunately, that's an easy under for me. I think he has a ton of potential that he's not living up to right now. Nick. Under. Ben. I mean, Evan. Evan yeah. <laughs> I'm, right uh, I'm going to say under as well. Okay, uh, under. Based off of, again, my eye test and expectations for this year coming out of the end of last year. I know we overhype players. That's probably what happened. Maybe he was playing over, over last year. I don't know. Uh, hopefully that fires him up if he hears me say that. All uh, right. Kevin Jones. Ben. Under. Under. 
<laughs> this is a tough one, right, Evan? Yeah, it is tough. I, I thought he was overrated last year, but now I think he's underrated. It's kind of tough. Like the perception switched on him. I still think he's very good. Just now people are so low on him. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not that we think these players are bad. It's yeah. eye test you know, for this like, season so, compared to your expectation. Yeah. yeah, so the expectation of other people, I think it's a huge under it's not if you say underperform, that means you actually think he's better than he's playing than he yeah, like I think you he expected is, better. Sorry, yeah. You expected better. Yeah, I think everyone thinks he's better than he was playing. Right, and but I think yes. I expected better out of Kevin. But Jones he's playing similar well. to last. But it, yeah, year. I was just going to say, but it's and not last bad. year. Yeah, it's just it's kind of hard to put those words in just over. I know, I know it is. Okay, and this is a bonus one. I don't know if we've already done ten or if this is the eleven. I think it's a bonus. But Corey Ellis, Ben, easy peasy lemon squeezy overperforming. It's the Nick and Matt show effect. Come on the show, you get to top twenties in the world. That's just facts. <laughs> right, Nick. Oh, overperforming. Definitely. Okay. Compared to over your is such a bad word yeah. for this Compared game. Compared to your expectation. That's yeah. what it was. How they exactly. It's literally yeah. like it's not there. He wasn't doing this last year. It's compared okay. to your expectation coming into the season. Yeah. I, I'm gonna be honest, I can't act like how has this finish has been this year? Like he had he had he's got a few Good, you high? Like really good top tens. He's like top twenty in the world. Here's now, the thing: he sure. didn't play that many events last year. It's where this is kind of a tough question too. Yeah. But that's also I, that's that's very impressive on his is part. Is he the last one? Because I'm gonna use my meats. That's now. the last MPO. Because yeah, because he last year he like Deglo. That's or a Idol great Wild take. Pop meets. off. Yeah. But then but then he's not in contention every single week. He's not at that level. But he can be at that level, and I think he is doing exactly that this year. I would right, like to I, say meets, can I give but you, I can't, so I have to say over, I feel like. Compared. I just want to give Corey stats really quick. First two tournaments of the year at Vegas and DGP um, Waco, he did not play well. He went 62nd and then 70th. But after that, open at Belton 6th, Texas State's 15th, Bowling Green, which was an A tier. We don't really need to count that, but he won that. Champions Cup 4th, played against sports. Uh, so Jonesboro Open was 15th. And then 82nd at the uh, DDO. So the highs are more consistent than meets, I thought. I, mean, yeah, I think meets exactly. Meets I think good, the fourth place at Champions Cup, because he was, I think, at one point tied for the lead, if not one or two back. Like he was yeah. right in the mix the whole time. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think he's overperforming in the sense of like, He's playing really well for his first year. That's how I legitimately feel. getting out on tour. Yeah. Like that's that's how I feel. It's not overperforming. Like I don't think he could do this because the dude smashes. He plays great in the woods, and he's arguably one of the best putters in MPO. Um, I think he had the best DGPT stats last year for Circle One X putting. He did. So. He, yeah, he did. He's he. So that's I agree with all your takes here. We're yeah. moving to FPO. The show's running long. I hope everyone appreciates that. This ah, is, I'm in studio. It's fine. Yeah, Nick's in studio. Yeah. I don't need to drive home tonight or anything. So yeah, before you everyone bows out and you're still here in the live show, we have an event coming up on Friday. Check out our social media. You can hear about it. Look at our bio and Instagram, all that. We'll talk more at the end end of the show. I just wanted to throw that out there. Now FPO, here we go. We just had her on the show, Paige Pierce, Ben, over, under, or meets. And you only get one meets. I don't want Arby's has the meats. I know. I would say meats, <laughs> but I don't want to use my meats yet, so I'll say I'm eating meat. Over. Over. Nick's thinking. Over. Kearns. We need like 10 seconds after to be able to explain. We really this do. This is tough, yeah. right? Evan, this is tough. This is tough. She <laughs> she obviously she just won. She won Champions Cup. She won. No, she didn't win Waco. 
What is she? She won something else. Valerie won Waco. Did she win Vegas? No. Cat won Vegas. Cat won Vegas. What was after that? Didn't she after win that Texas? Was... She hasn't. Has Texas? Oh, she won Texas. Yes. I'd say oh, I'm not using my meats. Dang it. I know. But that's it, it. just has to be. But you have to lean so, one so, so, way or the other. I'm, Which way I'm do you lean? I'm going to say this. I'm going to, you know, kind of. Over because of the meat. Someone said, put okay. a clock on Evan. Yeah. <laughs> put a clock on Evan. Wrong. I love it. I'm not I love it. Um, <laughs> the, and I, I kind of, she's a really, really good one for meats, to be honest, because like almost all of FPO right now, she's except for a few players, are meats. Like, especially in the top five, I think are all meats. But Paige is winning consistently like a lot of elite series events she's playing very well she doesn't have too too many blow up events um when kristen is here she's in a lot more battles but she's also beaten kristen kristen has beaten her so anyways next one (laughs) well no i didn't go yet (laughs) oh sorry now they said evan's the nico of this game and they always (laughs) refer to me as the nico of statter fiction so you get a little bit of the love now um and they mean that in the most kind way i'm sure thanks to Paige's interview Uh, (laughs) um i feel like if i have to lean one way or the other it's probably because i'm not giving a meets here it's over that's just where I'm leaning towards. Yeah, because I, I wasn't sure. If you won, gave an so ex- expectation, like if you gave a percentage chance Wait, you would win a Smart major at this point of the year, I would say like like forty to sixty percent, like that. The, winning the major puts it over the top. I think. Okay, this is tough. This is tough. I love seeing the chats coming in with their answers here as well. All right, moving along. Speed this up a little bit. Missy Gannon, Ben, under Nick. I want to say under Evan. I kind of almost want to say over. <laughs> because I need that to look sounds, at the numbers. That sounds really bad. I think last year she way overperformed. Now, going into this, this is year. This is what were your expectations going into, this year, going into this year? You know, yeah, people, my expectations? For her. Are she, is she over or under meeting your expectations for what she was going to do? She won a silver. 30 seconds. That's, that's over my expectation. <laughs> I'm going to say for Missy that I definitely feel like she's under, but the point that Evan makes has to be noted. Like it has to be. I think there was a little bit of overperforming for sure. Well, we like, have recency bias. There's over expe- expectation yeah. coming into this year. Well, no, there was this like I don't want to call it a bubble because that sounds mean again. We're all like tippy toeing around, but I think she hit like this bubble last year. She won some big events right in a row. Yeah, and everyone all of a sudden was like to the moon with Missy Gannon, yeah. and then it's like so. Then you hit this year, and you're like, whoa, she's underperforming. And you're like, no, this is probably about right for her. She doesn't need to go be concerned, right, with what's happening. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, Katrina Allen. Ben over. I'm using my meats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a good. Uh, one. Yeah, meats is a good answer. I'm gonna say slightly over. Over. Okay, I'm gonna say over as well. If I have to lean one way, it's over in this situation. I feel like she's performed really well this season. Um. Okay. Uh. Haley King. Ben. Uh. Under. Under. Actually, this under, I'm saying under, but I remember we had this conversation about who we thought was either better last season or better for this season, Haley King or Missy Gannon. And I said Haley King. I was super confident this year she just hasn't had that spark. So under. Do we have the stat man? Do we have the head to head against them for this year? Yeah. Yeah, I can pull it up. Pull it up real quick. Okay. Go to the next one. Haley King, I'm saying under. Mm-hmm. Um, By far for expectation, my eye yeah, test. Agreed. Okay. Um, Kona Haley, Panis, Ben. Haley doesn't have a win yet, right? Mm-mm. Kona, Kona Panis, Ben. Kona, unfortunately, I think the contract has put a lot of pressure on her. I'd say under. 
Nick. If I had my meats, I would say that, but I'm going to say under. <laughs> meats. Uh, I'm going under as well. And I'm saying under for Kona. Not necessarily. Be, it, it's interesting because now I'm going to make the comments while I've been searching stats. I feel like it's under not because necessarily, I don't know how to say it. It's expectation. I don't feel like she's playing really worse than her normal, but. The contract, under. I think, hypes everything up that people expect. Maybe to that's do a perception well. thing. Yeah. Uh, comment if you disagree. That'd be awesome. Missy Gannon is four and two against Haley King this year. Okay. I did not expect that. I expected if I was going to say six events, I would have said five and one. But and who's who's advantage? Uh, Missy's. As your guess or before the season? Before the season, I would have said Missy. Like I'm pretty sure last year I said in this conversation, I think I said Missy. I think I did. Okay. I, I before the season I would have guessed Haley would win four or five out of six. Yeah, mm, I really, so your expectations I, yeah. under, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haley King twenty third at this weekend's event. I, I thought you know that's that's really way down the list. Anyway. Kind of surprising to me too because she's a great putter and she did not put well this weekend. If I think something's I saw up. one of her stories, something's up. Something's sure. been up since uh, last year too. Yeah. And I'm not here to be TMZ, but like she talked about mental things. She moved, mm -hmm. thinking life changes, all this stuff. I think we need to give her time. She's young. She's, she's fine. Yeah, she's young. Yeah. So. But but as far as this year goes, according to expectation, okay, we mm -hmm. said Kona, and now we're on to Kristen Tatar, Ben. She is... <laughs> Can I say over? I'd say, I'd say she's doing very well, but... <laughs> just but, very well. But I think everyone expects that of, of her to do Did very well, so meats? I'm going to say meets. All right, meets. I'm going to say over. I, I'm going to say over. I actually just checked... Statmanda's player of the year rankings, which we'll we'll talk about at some other point. She's number one, which is as expected from what we've seen. But going Meets. into the year, if you told me Kristen Tatar is number one in the official or the player of the year rankings, I would have been surprised. I would have thought it would have been Pedro Katrina still with Kristen nearby. So I want to say why I said over really quick because she's one <laughs> kicking ass this year. She's playing incredible, but I also got to give it to her because. She has to travel across the sea, get acclimated into the USA and everything like that with all the travel restrictions and all the things going on. Like she has it a little bit harder in the travel department than the players who live here full time to still come out, play well while bringing her, you know, family over here, whatever. I just think it's incredible. All great things. Kristen's playing it awesome this year. She's my pick for worlds. Did you say? I said over. I fully agree. Like, I did not expect her to be the number one player coming into this year, I, which is slightly arguable, but I would say she is. I think all around but game, she's 100% the best. I, my answer is I think I'm not going to use meets here. I don't think I'm going to use meets. I know the rest of the list, too. <laughs> I think I'm going to say over if, I, if I'm leaning one way. I also said over for Kristen, Paige Pierce, and Katrina Allen, and I stand by that. Those three have have been the clear yeah. top three more than I thought, even if they had been uh, historically. Okay. Uh, we have two left this one. And then a bonus one, Juliana Corver, Ben, not a lot of events. Well, Juliana Corver two, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Great performance this week. Honestly, weekend, haven't heard anything much about her. So I'm going to say under just because I am, uh, I just have no knowledge. <laughs> Perfect default the under Nick. What do you think? Uh, well, for the two events, she got third place at a course I didn't think would really suit her well. So I'm gonna say overperform. Yeah, I'm gonna say over, and I think she's not touring because 
um, is boyfriend. it a partner, a boyfriend? I don't, I don't know the or first partner. Title. I don't know. Um, Jim Oates had the heart attack or heart similar attack surgery. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, not not to her own own fault. Those are outside. I don't know if she reposted a tour schedule this year. She posts a really big blog every single day, and yeah. I do enjoy reading them. So I don't really know if she posted a schedule for her tour. If she does plan on touring more, I know she said in her latest one that they did a lot of packing for the upcoming trips. So that makes me believe that they're at least heading up to the Portland swing of things. Um, I say for Juliana or Juliana and Juliana, however they say it, I say that it's over because simply put this last weekend's event, I was impressed and surprised. And so my expectation coming this year would not have been to see her do this at that event. So that's why I say over and the bonus Nick Carr <laughs> over. Oh my God. It's not even easy. It's what not even heck? hard. I yeah. predicted two lead cards by this point. <laughs> um, Evelina Salonen, Ben. Evelina. I'm just going to cut you off. This answer is quick. Yeah. If you under. can. Okay. What I, do you say, Ben? Uh, I'm a sheep under. <laughs> I'm saying under. I I had the take that I actually thought she was going to have a better season than Kristen Tatar coming over to the U.S. I thought people were underrating the Europeans. We should have kicked you off the show right then and there. (laughs) What the heck? I mean, by by all other metrics, Evelina was beating Kristen. Kristen just came over last year and beat Paige and Katrina. So everyone was thinking uh, Kristen, whereas Evelina just didn't come over. And Hannah Blommers was starting to get better and better and better and was beating both of them. Uh, I was very shocked by uh, both of them. So Evelina isn't under. I, I would put Hannah in that same category of like, I know she's it's not on our list, bonus. but she's another bonus bonus. Um, <laughs> she'd be my under. Like I'm, I was really, really, really looking forward to like those three women coming over and just, I really wanted to see if their domination, because the MPO European players haven't really full on dominated in the USA scene yet, but the FPO players have, they have elite series wins they come over to the states and they play really well consistently and evelina and henna have not been upholding their end of the bargain Kristen is literally yeah doing everything she can in that department which is awesome to watch but what she pay you to say that i know you spent some time <laughs> in airbnb and i <laughs> <laughs> I would say she's she's literally like my favorite. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. She's literally like my favorite FPO player to watch. It's just her game is it's there. Yeah. Um, which is really like tough to see that it, for any player with yeah. an all-around game. Without question, Evelina is underperforming based off of my expectation. I, That's where I'm landing on that one. I think I would have guessed Evelina and Haley King combined would have had three elite series and major wins by this point. Okay. <clears throat> that was our under over meets. We'll do that towards the end of the season. And someone, if someone's listening right now, would you just like make a spreadsheet or maybe this is Evan in his free time over the next month, just choosing what we chose. So that way later we can go, this is what you said. Do you still agree? That could be fun later at the end of the season. Um, and I, we, we are hopefully giving people some content here to continue listening to. I don't know how many have listened this far in the podcast. If you have, congratulations. You're making it quite a ways into the show. I think it's at two and a half hours now. But we have just a little bit more left. And that's because we had a topic that was going to be the Discira discussion. Mm-hmm. But I want to just, we'll bring in a condensed version over here. Why do our disc golf professionals think that playing on these injuries is worth it? Uh, why do they do it? Look at Anthony Brella mid-round rolling his ankle. Uh, who are we to decide if he's hurt enough to drop out, right? Uh, Ricky Wysocki drops out of Masters Cup with the, the flare-up from Lyme disease. And 
not fully ready, it seemed like, but he yeah. decided to play. Uh, Paul McBeth has probably played through injuries. Elbow. We know. Yep. Um, you can pick a lot of different yeah. injuries that these players are dealing with. Yuli just decided to stop, but he's been playing. He says, well, he even said his quote, yeah. I think, quote, Yuli last week or the week before. The quote was like, he goes, if you're a professional athlete, like you're always playing with some injury. You're yeah, never yeah, 100%. you're always playing with some sort of injury, but sometimes that is like, you know, a tickle of the ankle. Like you might have rolled it, you know, throughout the week, but you're playing on it because it's not the worst injury in the world. But it, if I had a sprained ankle, especially on my right one, I'm not going to go play around probably with that or, you know, a B or a C tier, but that's just me personally. There's different scenarios. There is. And the chat's and so, already going on with this. You're going to yeah. bring up Paul and Ricky specifically if you take those two players. They yeah. don't need Chris Dickerson. They don't need to be playing. Paige yeah. Pierce. Uh, like, they well, the don't biggest thing, need yeah, to be playing. With, with Paul and Ricky, it's not the money aspect of this. They both have million-dollar contracts. Like, they are not the ones who need to go to weekend and week-out events and win every single weekend like they they do not they love the competitiveness i talked to paul on the phone earlier about this because i was genuinely curious it's about the competitiveness i literally just said it's about and all i can think is that dwayne the rock johnson it's about drive it's about power <laughs> and like sorry i just completely off topic but so you texted paul this question and he gave you an answer yeah exactly so it's about the competitiveness um you know he he sought help for his injury and the doctor said look you're not going to hurt it even more by playing on it it's just not going to heal as quickly as you would like it to and um like simon was talking about earlier his injury is not one where you just rest and you don't throw you consistently play you consistently use those muscles for it to kind of re-strengthen um ricky i was actually really surprised with what ricky said and why he played and the reason i, I let before, me let before me you that. say yeah. your quote but like when he said he one of his tweets was like you know, I almost fell on every single forehand I had to throw and I hobbled around on one leg out there. I'm stoked he did great. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a solid player. And if you have that bad of a knee, you can still play that well. Man, freaking kudos to you. But if you're literally saying, like, every single time you plant that left foot and your knee's about to give out, like, bro, what if you all of a sudden, bam, pop, your ACL's gone? I don't know. Like, that's just. That's it really how, depends that's on what the injury is doing to him. Because yeah. if it's just a pain thing, What's but not the a damaging from? thing. Did he right. say that? <clears throat> it's Lyme disease. Lyme, I'll, I'll, yeah. read, I'll read his. I, we texted him. You texted Paul. I texted uh, yeah, I talked Ricky. to Paul. Matt talked to Ricky. Uh, and here's here's what he said. Uh, it sure was a tough one for me and the reason why he did. And for me, it's the type of thing. It isn't going to get worse when I play on it. It's not like a torn ACL or something that gets worse the more you use it. I think, Nick, it's just a pain thing. This is the okay. deal. It's just pain. Yeah. It's not actually damaging. He goes, it's a flare-up that swelled so bad I could barely walk. And I had lots of pain with each step from Lyme disease flare-up. And yes, this performance last week on one leg is one of my best performances ever with as big of a handicap I had. And I'm very proud of that. But the biggest thing that I couldn't do more damage to my knee, and I'm, I am a competitor, and I want to be out there competing. So the fact he said that he knew he wasn't doing more damage, mm -hmm. it was simply pain, simply, and he was able to compete. That's why he did it. And I think that's what most players are doing. If they think to themselves they aren't going to create more damage and they're a competitor— if they think they have a shot, they're going to go for it. And Ricky yeah. finishing the way he did is why he did yeah. it. And Paul saying kind of like the same mentality of it. And Paul got top 20 at this event. Not his best performance, but definitely not something to be ashamed about, especially on a bigger, longer course. Uh, but then we take someone like Eagle. Got a big injury. Took some time off. Came back. 
I don't know if he really re-injured it or he did re-injure it, right? At Jonesboro, actually. He we'll get DNF'd, him on the show sometime. He DNF'd uh, Jonesboro. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he finally, he actually took himself out of the game right now. So I, it's just, it's kind of surprising to me, uh, especially for the players who, like I said, don't need to do this week in and week out to where it's like, you know what? They have a week off before Portland Open. Why not skip OTB open, get two weeks off, maybe get three weeks off because it's Masters Cup before that. Like a decent amount of players now can afford to take that kind of time off. But I don't know. Maybe it's just like like they said, it's the competitiveness. They're not injuring themselves more, they think. And should should players have a a team in some sense where there's either a doctor or athletic trainer or someone who pretty much says you're good to go or I think the like, manufacturer should have that for their players. Should, you know, Discraft, Innova, Dynamic uh-huh. Disc, all these companies, should should they have someone who just yeah. who who checks on their players, just like the Boston the Celtics, Celtics do. Literally the Celtics if, have a doctor right on the floor who literally if Marcus yeah. Smart goes down, he runs out there. Yeah. How many games did Marcus Smart he, he just missed one game, but if you ask Marcus Smart, hey, do you want to play in this game? He, he'd be like, yeah, let me suit up. He got and injured what? yesterday or two days ago. It sounded like his knee cracked in half. He goes to a locker room. His trainer does something. He comes out and he bangs a three. And it's like, <laughs> what know. the hell just happened? Did you give him crack cocaine or something? Right. Like, I brought that up to you earlier. Yeah. I was like, look at these players. And you made a good point, though. It's the level of the tournament, too. So this if it's is, Worlds yes. or Thank it's the end of yes. the season, let's say it's like the Disc Golf Pro Tour yeah. finale. This is it. Maybe they don't have other events planned yeah. for months. And they're like, well, me finishing out the last nine holes is going to cause me four yeah. more weeks of rest and rehabilitation. They might do it. This is why Silver Series shouldn't yeah. go towards DGPT points in a sense. Like Silver Series, I, I'm not saying completely cut them out, but Silver Series events, top pros should be able to look at those as they're either going to play it just for the hell of it or they really like that course, or maybe they are those people who literally just want to play every single weekend. Pros should be able to look at those as, hey, I got a week off. I'm going to be out in this area now from my next tournament. It's an elite series one. Like I genuinely think that the schedule is kind of, kind of stretch a little bit more, especially when elite series mean way more than silver series. Cause I think silver series still mean a little bit too much, which is why it draws the attention. It's funny because it draws the attention a lot more on the MPO side than it does like the FPO side, like Paige isn't playing a single silver series at all. Cat, I don't think is playing well. And Eagle doesn't ever actually. I don't think he ever has played a Silver Series, or at least he's never podiumed in the last since Silver Series. Because Evan from Stat Mando sent me some stats, and I'm pretty sure I looked at it, and Eagle has never podiumed at a Silver Series. Beaver State. I'm assuming means he hasn't played it, but I don't think he has. But but the point is, you're right. He has has zero. I think Paul has three. Maybe Masters. But it's Masters Cup. Yeah, yeah. So Master Cups might have been his fourth, but it's only because Did he it, podium at Master Cup. I think he came in seventh. But Uh-oh. Nick, yeah. it's only because of the expectation. Meaning, here, let me say it: if Paul like kind of started out playing Silver Series, like just like started that way, mm-hmm. this when they opened Silver Series, people are used to Paul doing that. Yeah. And so then, if he doesn't, that's a big deal. Same thing with Ricky. Same thing with all these players. But because Eagle comes out and he's just like, nope, that's not my schedule ever. Nobody talks about it because. He had already predetermined it. it out. There's yeah. nothing that stands out as, oh, he's not playing the Silver Series. So, what does, yeah. what does, so this is also one thing with how expensive everything is right now. Seventh place at Masters Cup took home $743. Mm. Now, I know there was like a five way tie for it or something like that, or four way, three way, two way, whatever it was. $700 to get out to California, spend a week playing these courses, spend the money on food, spend the money on gas, everything like that. 
Like that's where Silver Series, like why does Paul and Ricky play those? If Paul Macbeth wins or Ricky Wysocki wins the Masters Cup, they're not getting a random disc for that event. Like <laughs> someone like Gannon Burr. And I'm not shaming Prodigy or Gannon Burr, but Gannon Burr got a, not a tour series or a signature. Um, it was more like a commemorative stamp disc saying, here's your 2022 Masters Cup champion. It was a all good and good. Series. Yeah, totally fine though. But I mean, for yeah. someone like for someone like Gannon who doesn't have a signature yeah. series disc, or like Paul and Ricky who have five, yeah, or nine, depending on how you really want to look at it. But if Prodigy wants to come out with a thousand discs for Gannon winning a Silver Series event, no issue at all. I don't look at that. But that's not what Discrafter DD is going to do for Paul or Ricky. At least I don't think so. All right, the comment well, here, and I, I want Evan to touch on this because he had some great points on it. We talked about this weeks ago. We always do a post-show show that you guys don't know about. We this shut off the cameras. Show. Yeah, you're kind of getting it yeah. right now. Yeah, but there's going to be a post-post-post-show, I think. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, that's just the way it goes. But someone in the chat, Amy, by the way, thank you for your chat. Seems like, this is what she said, seems like some Silver Series are like on the way-ish <laughs> to another tourney. So why not? And this was the point we it's made where we wouldn't it. mind we wouldn't mind seeing the Silver Series, and this is in a perfect world scenario. I want you to elaborate on like separating so it's not on the way, so it can kind of become its own uh, series, if you will, or something. So what are your thoughts yeah, on this? It was a good conversation. A, there's a, few a lot weeks of ago. different ways to look at it. There's there's a reason why Masters Cup and Beaver State Flint coming up aren't on the Elite Series uh, coverage, number of events in that area, just how it works out. It there's so many different ways to go with this. Uh, one is the silver series as we have it now um, could stay as kind of a, a secondary events that are worth points, um, but not as much points. Yep. Um, or those are relegated down and maybe we have an in-between. Um, uh, what do you like, series? Yeah. You call it. So we still have, that it's not its own tour. It's still part of yeah. the disc golf pro we, tour. We still have 10 to 12 elite events. That way we can mm -hmm. keep the weight on those and the top, top players will pick those events specifically to play. We'll get the, that's one fields. way to take this. And then we'll have those other events, which are kind of like the better silver series events. Think Belton masters cup. Um, a few of those, um, where we have, you know, an extra 10 to maybe even 20 of those where lots of, lots of good fields. And then we have a, a tier below that, which, you know, may or may not follow the general tour. It might be in those off weekends when it's on the West Coast. They also might be some events. You might have like the Stafford Open, which was in New Jersey last year. It could be around this swing. So when we have um, this off week coming up, there's a, a either Silver Series or new lower one, whatever you want to call it in New Jersey. So you're not going to have the players crossing the country. That wouldn't make any sense. But that way you can have all these regional guys like think maybe Andrew Fish. I mean, he's, he's established. Nick though. might have just beat but him recently. Yeah, Nick as well. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, those are two perfect examples. Those are two East Coast guys who are probably going to want to stay on road trip levels. They're not going to fly to many events, maybe um, a few a year. And that's a perfect Silver Series event where it's not just a regional event, but it's a kind of a step up from a regional, but not crossing the country kind of all that but just that wouldn't have any points to disc golf pro tour standings possibly so it might make it a little bit more confusing because you have even more layers which is already confusing it will get there um but i like the idea it's of one of those things you'll tour. find out yeah and i say another tour i'm talking like they say the corn fairy like have it not be coinciding well, it's almost like, it's almost let, like let the like nick go tour that and win it, a few in, in a tier tour Sure. Yeah, like if well, you just find every single A tier, if you win every single yeah. A tier, you'll make over a thousand bucks a week. 
plus cool. bonuses from your manufacturer okay. sponsor. Yeah, and I'm gonna stick, I, but make if, it an official tour. If I if I could, that'd be yeah. awesome. Oh, make it to like. Don't I would do love every A tier. I would love to next year if I could map. I would make more money if I played only eight tiers. If I found them week in and week out, than I would True. doing the schedule that I do True. right now. So let's do it. So I mean, like, if Nick next year if I wanted to map out like the Nick and Macho tour where we just literally just looked at every single A tier, like, why not? You know what Nick I mean? Nick and Macho. Plus yeah. some of them like my round, which pretty cool. I've actually always wanted to do this, but <laughs> Gatekeeper asked if I would do commentary on the round that I won. So when I get back nice. to Virginia, I'm nice. doing commentary on my final round with someone awesome. else, which pretty sick. But that's a film bonus. That's coverage out there. That's good for my sponsorships. That's, you know, and all those things to where an A-tier tour and then the Silver Series tour. I, I don't think Silver Series should be as close to the next event as they are right now. But this is, again, is it part because of the Pro it, Tour Series and it's just worth less points or is it a separate tour? I agree with what you're saying. Honestly, different conversations. What I think would be really cool is almost have like two different Pro Tour championships, a Silver Series Pro Tour championships where, let's say this. So that's the tour concept. What if only 1020 and above could play Elite Series, 1019 and below can play Silver? I'm going to phrase something else (laughs) because I think that'd be kind of cool. A lot of people talk about about, uh, PGA where you have the Corn Ferry Tour. And as far as I know, the players who play on that don't play in PGA events at the same time. Do you make money on the Corn Ferry Tour? I'm pretty sure you do. Can someone who actually knows but, about the Corn Ferry Tour call in? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the phone. So oh, my, my point being is that uh, those are two separate fields. You uh-huh. have the PGA field and the Corn Ferry uh, Tour field, as far as I know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't think we're ready for that in disc golf. I'm going to use you and Andrew Fish again. Both players who can compete on any on any given event. Um, Andrew Fish and both you have done it. You've made lead cards. Andrew Fish was leading MVP open last year after round one. Um, but I neither of you guys have elite wins. Um, I don't know how many podiums uh, Andrew Fish has. I don't think I don't think any. But he's probably has like a Nick top has 10 a or first so. round podium. A first round podium. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's go. But missing cash. <laughs> my point being is these players can compete, but they don't have wins. Yeah. My thought was. What if if you won an elite series or major event? What if that disqualified you from the silver series for oh, let's say twelve snap. months? You're disqualified or congratulations. twenty-four <laughs> months, something like that. So yeah, there's so a lot Paul, of cool Ricky, ideas. Eagle, Page, Katrina, they even Missy Gannon, they they can't play silver series events for a full year. And how about you but, can't get into elite unless you've won, you know, an A tier? <laughs> I higher. mean, maybe. But then you have points. Sick. Yeah, Nick totally likes- down that. <laughs> but when you have that, like think someone like uh, Jeremy Colling, uh-huh. um, fant- obviously fantastic player still, but hasn't won an elite event since I think 2018. USDGC or no, that was I think it was, I'm thinking Waco. MVP. No, I think Waco was his last elite, and uh, so he. He could still play Silver Series events and tour more if he wanted. He might mm-hmm. not because it was, you know, his his knee and he might be resting more. But my point being is, yes, he can still play those because he hasn't been the very I top of the game saying. lately. Uh, but in his heyday, he was one of the best. Yeah. Um, so he wouldn't. The way tournaments used series. to be run, where and it's I kind of like that. Kind idea, of to be still honest. is run this kinda way, like like where yeah. all the money comes from the players. Do we and they're play like, this? Do we just like, start our own? Let's get 800 rated. rated players in here because we need all the money. I'm saying that those days are starting to go away. The donator like, days are done. I really think so. Yeah, I think it needs for to Silver become, Series events. Yeah. there are still they can still do that. Yeah, exactly <laughs> because the signups don't yeah happen as quick. The registration is a little bit more lenient on that aspect. But I honestly, goodness, the way Champions Cup was held, to where it filled up once it was thousand rated and above could sign up for it. 
I thought was incredible because I was sucking that event. And the last round, even though I was sucking, I got to play with Adam Hammes and a couple other people who like um, AJ Carey, who did really well at a couple tournaments recently. Like I played with players who can shoot still very well. Adam, multiple lead series winner. I honestly think like you don't most of the people that I see at golf terms, especially the ones that are in like the top 20, I've heard, I've seen their name multiple, multiple, multiple times. And that's the same thing in disc golf now to where, because the elite series events have gotten kind of strict on who gets into them. You see those people. Like I don't see too many people's names that I don't know. Like Kirkland this last weekend, I knew his dad's name just because yeah. of hearing Frisbee yeah. stories. But um, what was his first, was it Luke? Corey. Cody. Corey. Cody. I'm pretty sure it's Cody. 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 That's right. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time that I'd really ever heard of him, seen him play, seen any stats about him. So did you know he had a top 20 finish at the 2010 Beaver State Fling? No, I did not. I did. Actually, that was in the back of my head. <laughs> oh, good. It's gosh. crazy. Uh, I thought that was crazy, too. When I first heard about him, I thought he was like this new ultimate to uh, disc yeah. golf. Apparently, he's one of the best DDC players in the world. And DDC is Matt, you remember fun. DDC? Yeah, I love so, it. So in, in a weird new way, people, new it's people a hybrid. Who, that's a hybrid yeah. between guts and I, like I wanted to bring that up tennis. to him. Yeah. It, it's like it's like a softer version. I almost think it's more of a volleyball style. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And that's so fun too. Dude, all the, we got to do them all. DDC a whole a day of disc sports. You guys never played Pyramids Leagues back in the day, but DDC was after Pyramids Doubles League. We would go to play the DDC court. It was lit up. Game. Jay Southwick, the owner of Pyramids, Marshall Street. Would, it's one fun. of the filthiest so DDC players, but it's a game where it's like there's two frisbee frisbees tennis. and you can't let them land on one side at the same time. So like if me and Matt are on no, team, you can't let any land on your side. So the goal is no, but you to can land it on you, your side. You can't catch them at the same time. Two discs can't be in your hands at the same time. Yeah. So it's okay. two discs are going back and forth like crazy. Juliana Corbett plays all the time land. out yeah. in California. She's filthy good at it. Gotcha. But apparently he is. We're just rambling players. really loud. We're excited. Yeah. Nick, let's get to the Celtics because it's pretty exciting. They're at halftime right now. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Good time to wrap up. Get a, oh, uh, wrapping a, up a now? bathroom Damn, break. We're killing it. Dude. We're, I know. It's like <laughs> 945 right now. We're almost at three hours, everybody. This actually, Brody Smith, last time we had him on, or the first time, was the longest show we ever had. Really? I'm not sure if this is getting close to it, so. I think we <laughs> this is in in my in, in your time. This, yes, is the in longest, my time longest. this is the longest. Probably Evans too. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. As we get to yeah. the close out here, Nick and Matt show fans, listeners, if you've made it this far, you probably are. Okay. Yes. Like in all seriousness. <laughs> you are. So if you're listening, appreciate you. And you're within driving range of Sterling, Massachusetts. That's not where we, the show, are located, but that's where we are going to be. And I say we. I mean Nick. I mean myself. I mean Evan and Ben. You get to come out. Play disc golf with us. We're going to have a really fun format. Think similarly to like a champs versus chumps in that nature. One big group following players getting picked to throw uh, Nick and Matt show doing like a best disc doubles between all of us four. And we're just going to have a blast. There's CTP prizes. Kiskira on. brought some CTP yeah. prizes. Every disc. hole. Capital disc. We also have a lot of swag and stuff that mm -hmm. we're going to bring. We're going to do throw offs. We're going to have prizes on every hole come out it's an eight dollar greens fee that's it to come out and have fun that's going to meadowbrook orchards great course uh great install it's very new if you haven't played there you want to this is on friday may 27th starts at 5 p.m get there early play around make sure you pay for it but play around and then come and find us we'll probably be right out in front of the store area there's some practice baskets out there maybe you'll you'll, you'll see us there's hopefully going to be a good group of us there. I know people driving down from hours away to come and participate. Ken Maine. Chapman. Yeah. Ken Chapman. 
Uh, we're excited. Chris Deerkins driving up, I think, <laughs> yeah. from the Connecticut A area. lot of longtime Coach. listeners. I had Todd in the chat reach out and ask if we would fly him in. And like, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Todd just got famous from the Foundation Nation video. Really? I don't know if you guys saw I that, but they not. had posted that he, he made a really big putt on hole five right. at New London. Well, we need to create opportunities for others fans to do that. (laughs) Yeah, Todd, you don't get all And (laughs) to shout out, this is going to be filmed. We have uh, local professional videographers done stuff like, um, you know those shows where they'll be like River Monster, and they go down to like (laughs) Brazil or wherever? Yeah. He's done shows like that, like where they travel to other countries and film. But he's coming to do disc golf. He's excited to work and do this project with us, Uh, Craig Kimberly. uh, Check out his YouTube channel. He's got like, 10 times as many subscribers as we have if not more and he's doing something called bbq it as in barbecue it check him out everything barbecue smoke the awesome guy there again to the prize sponsors fantastic it's going to be an absolute blast we invite everybody we're going to make it a good time and then my last thing here i i didn't do quite a rant but i did a little take a couple weeks ago on junior worlds filling and how do you invite 1500 juniors and then don't get them in they were able to finagle the field and get in, I think, another 100 players in. So there's still a wait list, but at least they did their part to try this year the best that they could to do it. I think they're going to reconsider for future years how this works, but yeah. that's a good update. Uh, anything else from anybody before we close out? No? Wow. This was a marathon. Good show. This is a good one. It bed. went by quick here. It's so, much, in studio. it's so much more comfortable sitting on this couch than the freaking camping chair that i sit on right <laughs> in virginia right now <laughs> so funny yeah. if you appreciated the show would you uh subscribe would you like would you share it would you let people know they don't all go this long so if that's what you liked i'm sorry but if you, if you like it shorter hey just tune out earlier all right nick let's try to do a 30 minute episode one week like literally as let's just try let's try because <laughs> we definitely cannot do it hey everybody thank you for tuning in on this beautiful monday night uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, all those good things. Um, I don't know. What are we at likes-wise? We've got 125 tonight. We've done 125. Really well. Dang, you guys are killing it tonight. During the 125, show. let's try to get to 150. Matt will shave his head if we do that. <laughs> it's kidding. already falling out. Yeah. But I will say, Nick, just the live audience was here. We almost tapped 400 live tonight. And nice. for an average show, that's pretty good for yeah. us. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Live show. Well, thank you, everybody. Special place in our hearts. Tuning in tonight. That's really appreciated. It's very nice being back here in studio. I will actually be here next week as well. I'll be in Massachusetts for two weeks. So um, like, comment, subscribe. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Download us, leave reviews, all that good stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode this week. Tell someone you love them. We'll catch you in the next one. That's right. Ben, Nick, Evan, you guys are awesome. And I'll see you sometime the rest of this week and Friday. Yep. Peace out, everybody. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.